Lauren and RJ, The Frangie Show, starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome back. Glad you along for the ride on a Tuesday installment of our program. It is brought to you by the Nimnick family of dealerships. We appreciate our friends at Nimnick Chevrolet. That's on Cassette Avenue and Nimnick Buick GMC located on Phillips Highway. Cool out there today. Nippy. Downright nippy out there today. Very bro. cold. Everyone who wanted a little bit of cool fall weather well you got it so don't complain i got the new uh 1010xl sweatshirt on you the do w- wimbledon connection uh, uh not connection the wimbledon collection ah because it's white yeah it's white and it's got the logo it's logo looks on the yeah but you couldn't wear that at no. um, wimbledon right because it's got to be all white no well you can have logos you can logo i think yeah. it's kind of it's all white it's kind of white yeah what got? i wouldn't eat ribs while wearing that well it's funny i always t- I, I was telling steve earlier I had a Mexican for lunch, and I stood and I long armed it to stay away from the salsa. I mean, my long arm, so I couldn't do that. Um, all things, all kind of things to get to today. Denny Thompson stops by. I'm going to ask Denny the conversation because Hick and I had the same conversation that we all had on the program yesterday, not just with Graham Mertz, but what determines? And I'm serious about this: whether a quarterback goes back and does it or doesn't. You know, what is it? Age, NIL changes it a lot. Right? Yeah, yeah money. M- money for sure. Right. Um, but, like Quinn Ewers, yeah, I'm assuming he yeah. got a big fat paycheck to stay at Texas. So, and do they? And what does the NFL tell them? You know, and, and the NFL used to tell you. I know Bob Tebow told me this when when Tim was gonna gonna come out or not, and then he didn't. He told me that, that the NFL, they back then they gave you first round, middle round, or undrafted. That's all they told you. Now I'm guessing by that was 2009. So I'm guessing by now it's it's way more detailed. Yeah, I mean, I really wonder. I mean, Denny's got all these guys. What does the NFL tell him? Well, what, what, how, how detailed do they get? And it's hard to predict that. I well, mean, that's right. That's you know, right. Because you never know what a team's going to do, and that right. then sets off dominoes that you know can, yeah. can affect a prospect and where they go. But but, but it's a fa- it's a fascinating topic for me because I'm I'm really intrigued, obviously with Mertz. But I, I, I after I've made all the points to everybody, you guys yesterday hicking on the podcast today of how I'm not so positive he comes back because of all these reasons, I still think he's going to. But there's some quarterbacks that my guess are 50-50, you know, across the country that really don't. Like Jackson Dart's coming back. I think Jackson Dart's pretty good. But I think it's the, it's the Hayes-Carline theory, the theory you've laid out there, is it's such a good year for quarterbacks. Jackson Dart's a guy that could go from fifth round to second round if he picks the right year, right? I mean, that's your yeah, theory, I, which makes some sense. And, and I will say, like – I look at the 25 group. It really doesn't look all that strong. I mean, can you think of an underclassman quarterback that's not going to be in this draft that you're like, oh my gosh, what a prospect. I mean, it's, it's like we said last year about, well, about Caleb. Yeah. And, I mean, this time and, last year, yeah. you knew there'd be three or four guys. Right, right. And, and some have even joined the party. Um, but, uh, and, and there could be guys that certainly emerge over the course of next college football season. But, for the most part, it looks like it's going to be it, – it, not that it's going to be awful, but it's not going to be as sensational as this draft where you're going to be able to find really good quarterback talent in, like, the fourth round of this thing. 
uh, in the first round guys are going to be sensational. So uh, in terms of prospects, we'll see what they turn into. But that's the thing I think you have to consider is the, the quality around you at your position in the draft and quarterback even more so because there's just so many of those guys. I mean, there's only, you know, if everybody keeps three, which isn't going to happen, you know, there's less than 100 in the league that are actually making good money and earning, you know, pension and stuff like that, accrued years. So it's, uh, you got you got to pick your spots. And if you're not a top guy in this draft, you run the risk of, of going undrafted. Graham Mertz, in my opinion, wouldn't even come close to getting drafted. And, and it's not a knock on him. I mean, I think he could play in the NFL, but I think if he were to, and I'm, this isn't a Florida thing, like go play it, you know, wherever. Go transfer to North Carolina, USC, you know, wherever, Michigan. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he could really improve his stock and, and earn money. And, and again, with the NIL, keep in mind, the guys that are already with their schools, the Graham Mertzes, the Trevor Etienne's, the Trey Wilson's, and this is just a Florida thing, but it's it goes for every school, you could have been paying them the whole time. I mean, once a player is on your campus, NIL is, is it's completely legal to give them whatever you want to give them. So it's not like these guys are searching for paydays. They've already been getting paid. Now, could they go and get something even more ridiculous? I mean, they could try, but I think in, in the big schools' cases, I don't think you're leaving a big school because of money. You could go ring chase, but I don't think you're leaving a, a big school to, to go make more money somewhere else. I think that school is taking care of you. Yeah, if Graham Mertz doesn't come back, I think it's because – he doesn't see playing time. Like As crazy as that sounds, if he believes that DJ Lagway is going to come in as a starter, if Billy Napier tells him, look, Lagway's my guy, you're going to be the backup, that's the only reason I would see him not coming back. But every quarterback, by the way, thinks they're going to be Brock Purdy. Even if they get drafted with the last right. pick in the entire NFL draft, they will somehow, some way, get an opportunity to start and they'll be successful. But I would tell you, if I'm quarterback X, Jackson Dart, Graham Mercer, whoever, I would be int- – I would look at a league where Tim Boyle and Tyson Bagent and Tommy DeVito are starting games and say, I can be that. Not Brock Purdy's one thing. He may win the Super Bowl. But Tim Boyle, Tommy DeVito, and Tyson Bagent are starting games. Bailey they are. Zappi's I think that's going to be all short-lived, though. Well, me too. But but again. You want to be Brock Purdy. Yeah. Well, well of course. You want to be Tom Brady. You know, right. but, but, I'm, but I'm just saying the real world is I might not be Brock Purdy, but I'm – Damn sure, I think I might be one of those guys. You know, whether whether I am or not. Again, we all and, and a young athlete can convince themselves that the, well, hell, not just, all of us. A young sports writer, a young whatever, can convince ourselves we're more than we want, we're more than we are. False impression of our game. If so, uh, again, the whole the whole the whole thing is intriguing to me. But, I guess that's the point. Yeah, and and the problem in in that thinking in what they're going to be told is your best security as a young player in the NFL, is where you were picked. It gives you security. If you were taken in the third round, they are not going to cut you for two or three years. They're just As, as long as you're doing what you should be doing, right. uh, you know, you're going to get paid for those two, right. maybe the whole length of your contract. If you're a seventh-round guy or you're a guy that they sign as an undrafted free agent, they owe you nothing. Well, They right. can cut you at any point, well, and, to your, and owe you nothing. They've invested nothing in you, nothing of substance, well, and that's the key. You want to get into the NFL as a premier pick 
because that's going to buy you mulligans. You know what the other security is, Hayes, to your point? That million you get to stay in college. Right. That, there, there's your, that, that security, put it in the savings account, bro. That, there, there's your security, and there's that too. By the way, Lauren, will you explain to me why we're watching Divorce Court 25? That's what I want to do. Ooh, this is a good one. This is <laughs> Divorce Court 25. They're, you know those two people are not happy with each other. They're not. Divorce Court 25. How was that? I have absolutely no idea because I don't even know what channel that's on. And so in order to explain to you why we're watching it, I would need to know what channel it's on. Is it ju- who's the judge? What's the judge's name? Judge Star? Oh, that looks like Star. Yeah, I think she used to be Star on The View. In- okay, now she's a judge? I, so, I, is she a real judge or is she a TV judge? Oh, she's a real judge. She is? Oh, absolutely. Aren't all I, the TV judges real yeah. judges? I thought they weren't. Oh, she's a real judge, yeah. She's, she- I mean, I, I, she's going to be on the Supreme Court <laughs> in four years. But you can be a TV judge and not be a real judge. She's not a real judge. Yeah. But, yeah, she but can judge be a Judy real judge. But Judge Judy was a real judge. And Judge Wapner was one of the greatest just, <laughs> judge justices that our country has ever produced. Oh, God bless television. Uh, things we'll talk about today. How far are the Jags from being the best team in the league? How far are they from being? I mean, I, I don't think they are. I think the 49ers are the best team in the league. and I think the Chiefs are second. But how far are the Jags from being the best team in the league? There's a little bit of a gap, I would say. Uh, it's not subst- It's not a chasm, but I think there's a little bit of a gap between yeah. the 49ers, Eagles, and Chiefs, and the Jags. Okay. Uh, well, you know, so I, I think they're somewhere in that four to six group. That'll be our conversation. What do you have to do to close that gap, and what does that mean? We'll talk about that. We'll start with some Jags like we often do here on the program. Uh, the Florida Gators did a real crossroads. I thought about that. Hick and I did the, 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 uh, the, the podcast and the, during the handoff. This is a crossroads time. Just because you have a new – like the Jags – we're at a real crossroads after Urban. Not before Urban, even though they're getting a new coach. They were, it, it never felt like crossroads. It felt like the Marone thing happened, then it didn't work, and they got Urban, and, and I thought Urban was going to be great. And But then it was a crossroads when that failed, and they, they came out of it wonderfully. But that's probably why Shad Khan took so much time. That's why you know the, the Twitter people thought and wanted Leftwich, and other people wanted this guy, and Jim Caldwell's name came up, and all these names came up. And at the end of the day, Peterson, the name that came up first, wound up being the guy, and he wound up being a wonderful choice. But that was there's no question that was a crossroads time in, in, in Jaguars history. Well, the Gators are at a real crossroads now on so many fronts, even though the coach isn't changing this year. It's, it's just a really, really interesting dynamic. So we'll certainly talk about that today on the program. Tiger Woods spoke today for the first time since the Masters, uh, talked about the, the, the tour and, it, and it's merged with the PIF, the Public Investment Fund, which is essentially the, the Saudi money that, that supported Live or backed Live. It did get me thinking, we're not far away from tour season. What's it going to feel like? You know, what's the tour season going to feel like? It's, it's we a don't great really question. Know, do we? Yeah. we don't. Um, yeah, it, it seems like the players believes that there's not going to be any sort of real radical change that anybody's going to really feel or notice. It's going to seem like the players championship that we've all grown to to admire and love so much. So, but in terms of the tour season, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're hearing reports of John Rom going to live, uh, you know, if, if we'll see if that happens, I honestly, I don't really know why it matters now because right. can't they do both? I mean, I thought the whole point of the merger was you could. So when I saw like John Rom might take 600 million to go join live, are they still even doing that? Like, why would you do that? Like, if you've merged, you wouldn't need to pay John Rom $600 million. You would just say, hey, if you want to play in these events, you can play in these events, or you can play on the tour, and you can play a little bit of both and, and whatever. I So I'm confused by that because I thought the whole purpose of the merge 
was to break the walls down of you can play on this tour but not on that tour. Interesting stuff. We'll talk about it. Let's start with the Jaguars. Got a lot to talk with Jaguars, college football, playoffs. Alabama, Georgia. Ooh, on Saturday afternoon, that could be a good one. We're going to talk a little Iron Bowl when we do our uh, take flight later. And we got an Iron Bowl look back. Um, yeah. Let's rush. Maybe instead of rushing two, they should have rushed one. That was bad. Really bad decision. A lot to talk about. Let's start with some Jaguars. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. RJ, who's winning the in-season tournament? Who's ahead? Uh, nobody's ahead yet. There's a lot of teams oh, that have uh, clinched their spot into the semifinals. One of those teams... Uh, being the L.A. Lakers, Los Angeles undefeated. Lakers. How, how are the Lakers doing? Okay, we don't. Are we are we bouncing back? Uh, not after last night, a loss by forty four to who? To the Philadelphia 76ers. We lost by forty four. Doctor J must have got loose. That's probably what happened there. Doctor J, Andrew, Tony. I mean, how about that? World Mo, be free. Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks have a good game. Moses Malone. Mo, Mo you can't stop Moses Malone on the low block, Hayes Carline. Okay, well, in the round mound of rebound, right? Okay. So this tournament Barkley wasn't like yeah. stop everything. We're going to host the in season yeah, tournament. I don't understand. I still don't understand. So it's like you play some games that count towards the tournament, then you go back to your regular season hey, RJ, schedule. RJ, like, RJ, that, what in the I, world? I don't understand it either. I'm with Lauren. What are we doing, RJ? Why is if there I a can't tournament? follow along, it's not meant for sports. In the words of uh, LSU alum Tari Eason and current Houston Rocket, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't like you know, but um, yeah, it's been some games where it's a in-season tournament game, and it counts towards your win-loss record in the tournament, whether or not uh, you can go to Vegas and play in the semifinals in the knockout stage, and I don't know. One one day, it's you have the, the very colorful Crayola court. Another day, it's just your normal court. Right, so there you go. There's all that. What would the Jaguars have to do to be as good as the pick-your-team, 49ers equals Chiefs? They'd have to be better in the interior of both lines. That might the interior certainly okay. I'll I'll hold off on the interior of this of the defensive front for a second. You might be right on both, but if I had to pick one thing, guard center guard would be first. Yeah. If I had to pick one thing that would separate them from being the best team in football, it's not the only thing, but guard center guard would be first. Yeah, and I would say and that doesn't mean they're lousy there, but I mean we're talking about the best in football. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. winning yeah. the Super Bowl, yeah. I would say you need that in order for the other two things to happen. The explosive plays, which you saw on Sunday, but those have not been there all season, and short yarded situations. Yeah. If the interior of your line was better, both of those two prior things, which lead to a lot of yeah. success in the NFL, happen. Very good point. Both that would that would help both, wouldn't it? I but it would really help the run game. It would real you're right. So so guard center guard is the one thing because I went through everything, prepared this topic on the show, prepared the show today. I went through everything. Uh, quarterback, you're pretty good. You're not Matt, You're not Patrick Mahomes. You're not healthy Joe Burrow. But you're pretty good. I think you're inching closer and closer to the uh, elite. I, I think position. quarterback, you're you're one of the better ones, okay? Receiving core, you're pretty good. You know? I'm not saying it's the best receiving core in the league, but pretty good. Pretty good receiving core. I, I would, I'm comfortable with the receiving core. I, I, I can't find a lot of groups that I would trade it for. I mean, Cincinnati went healthy, maybe, but I can't find a lot of groups. Uh, how many groups, if you take top three receivers and best tight end and would trade it, 
uh, Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. Ayuk, probably that group. Yeah. I'd probably trade with that group. Um, I might trade with healthy Cincinnati. But there's I not, would take the Eagles group. Yeah, yeah, with A.J. Brown now. And Goddard. And Goddard, and yeah. And the Slim Reaper. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But there's not a lot. There, there's, not, there's not 10 off the top of my head. The Dolphins. But there's not 10 off the top of my head I would trade with. Okay, so you're pretty good there. Um, I got to tell you, and Cam's hurt, Cam got hurt, but Walker Little played pretty good. Uh, I thought he played pretty well the other day. Anton Harrison's playing at a great level. So your tackles, you're pretty good. Uh, again, I'm not saying it's the best pair of tackles in the league. Trent Williams and whoever the hell plays right tackle for San Francisco is the best pair of tackles in the league, and I don't even know who it is. Right. And um, and but I but I would say, I'm I'm okay there. Your edges, listen, good. There's a lot of combination of edges I trade for. I, but this one's pretty good. If Trayvon Walker starts to play, he Trayvon's doing what Trayvon does, and that's great. Set the edge on the run, physicality doesn't get moved very often. Um. He needs to develop a few more pass rush moves, but that's coming. But your edges are pretty good. Your inside linebackers, I will tell you this, inside linebackers, uh, Foye Luakon, Devin Lloyd, I probably would trade with the 49ers. But, Hayes, that's about it. As far as inside line, if, and, and again. Have you so, noticed a pattern here, by the way? Uh, 49ers, the yeah. The 49ers have been yeah, mentioned and, in almost every position. Yeah, including, including the edge. Yeah. But I, I think they're the best team in the league. But but I but I would say but I really would tell you as far as inside linebackers go, Foye Luakon and Devin Lloyd, and I'm and I'm pairing two together. I know not everybody plays a three four, but I'm just regardless what you play, I'm lumping your two your two linebackers who play off the ball together. Um, I'm telling you, man, I, I don't know that I would trade with very many. Would you? There's not very many teams I would trade that with. No, I I I wouldn't. I, I just I wouldn't. Um, your secondary is not elite by any stretch. But dang, when 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 Tyson Campbell's there, it's pretty good. Darius Williams played at a very good level this year. The two safeties are good players. Even when Tyson's been out, they've been pretty good. They've been okay. Darius they? has pretty much taken away the other team's number one wide receiver. It's, it's, now the second uh, wide receiver yeah. has had some success. It's but. odd that it's played out that way. If you'd have told me Darius Williams was going to be good on the other guy's number one guy, I'd have said you've lost your mind. Tyson Campbell's the only guy on the team that can do that. But he's done it some. I agree. He's done it some. Yeah, he's uh, – so so two or three things. Number one, guard, center, guard. I'd like to see that a little better. Um, the running game, which is, to your point, Lauren, an extension of guard, center, guard is part of it. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the running game. I don't know if it's guard, center, guard. I don't know if it's Travis Etienne is playing nicked up a little bit. He did have the chest injury. He's got a lot of wear and tear. I would say the running game is a little bit of a concern right now. It can't seem to find any traction. Yeah, and and again, I think sometimes that just happens in the course of a season, you know, for whatever reason. I, I think that, look, ETN is having a, a splendid year, so he's going to become more of the focal point of an opponent. So I think you've seen a little bit of that. Uh, they're struggling at center. Uh, they're struggling at right guard. They've been struggling at left guard. Uh, so it's hard to establish a, a ground game. I mean, the run game is bully ball. And the Jaguars have, I think, the probably the most finesse line that I've seen this year. I, there's just not a lot of bully. You know, they're just, they're, they move great. I mean, they get out and, and move. They're good athletes. But they're not 
people movers like you need in in the run game. Uh, and so I think that hurts because defenses don't really respect it. So they guard against ETN getting outside where he's been phenomenal. And so I, I think it makes it a little easier to, to play them. And I don't know that that's going to get a whole lot better. I, I, I do think that the 2.8 that, that they've been at I, I, the last couple of weeks, I think that's going to improve. But I think it's I think it's going to be a weakness all year because it's hard to foresee all of a sudden more physical play out of left guard, center, and right guard because I just don't think that's who they are. They're just they're they're finesse players. You've got three finesse guys in there, and look that they're obviously incredibly tough. You know they play offensive line in in the NFL, but it, when you compare them to other centers and guards, they're just more finesse athletes than they are road graders I also think the play calling is going to be adapted to the strength of a team and Press Taylor has learned that that's not his offensive line strength is run blocking so they're going to call a little the game a little bit differently but I do think if Trevor Lawrence can become fully healthy from the knee injury and start using his mobility that'll open up the run game a little bit yeah I, I it'll be interesting to see um there's not a lot I don't love defensively. There's not. There's not a lot. There's not. They need more of an interior pass rush. Yeah, you're, and, and that's and, what is completely lacking. And that's what they lost with Devon Hamilton Correct. being down because he really was a good interior pass rusher. Foley Fadakasi has moments, but that's not what he does. And he's great at the yeah. it's stuff in the run. I mean, right. they've been really, really strong. They're top four in right. the league, so they've done a great job on the run. But you're not seeing enough of that interior pocket collapse that you need to to be special. And that's what this conversation is. It's not, are they good? It's, are they special? Are they special enough to win a world championship? And and that's an area where they're, they're sound against the run, but there's not enough there in terms of a pass rush. Now, again, maybe Devon Hamilton uh, is able to, to get back to form. Look, we still have a month and a half before they're going to play a game that's do or die. So, uh, you know, hopefully in that window he can regain what we saw in training camp because he can provide it if he's healthy. Uh, and so I'm not that, – that may actually come. I don't have a lot of hope for the interior offensive line. I think they are kind of what they are. But Devon Hamilton could bring you some of that interior pass rush that would really help Allen and Walker on the edge. Isn't it crazy that if I told you all before the season the Jaguars are not going to have Devon Hamilton for more than half the season and Tyson Campbell's going to be in and out with a hamstring injury, you would never have believed that the defense is as good as they are. No. But Roy Robertson-Harris, I think, is playing at a high level on the interior. But, yeah, the, the best teams in the NFL have much better interior defensive line. Listen, I'm very convinced they're headed to 9-3. and three. I don't think Jake Browning's coming here and winning on a Monday night. So I'm very convinced they're headed to 9-3. and three. Um, and by the way, they can't run the ball because they're not able to pass yeah. the ball. Like Mixon had, I think, 28 yards against the Steelers. Right. You go on the road to play Cleveland. Who's their quarterback? Frank Ryan, is he back? <laughs> I think it, I think they're bringing Tim Couch back. In the events, Frank Ryan, by the <laughs> way, for people that don't know, played when Paul Warfield was there in the 60s. Yeah, he's what eight, was his number? He's, uh, 13. <laughs> and again, Paul Warfield was 42. Gary Collins, 86, was on the other side. <laughs> oh the Leroy God. Kelly was the running back. He's 44 to replace Jim Brown. The, um, that is incredible. The, the, it really is. But I, but, I, but I don't know who their quarterback is. Who I is, think it's Dorian Thompson Robinson if he's healthy. He'll be back. It, yeah. It is him if he's healthy. Yeah. It, it's a bad quarterback regardless. Yeah, it's either yeah. a rookie – 
who isn't ready, right. uh, or it's P.J. Walker, who's a journeyman yeah. that was never ready and will never yeah. be ready. So, you're, so again, we should never, ever, ever do this in the NFL, and I'm, so, I'm such a dumb person for doing it. It's not the first time I've been a dumb person. Never, ever assume and look ahead in the NFL. So I'm just stupid. But they're probably headed to 10-3, and three, okay? Then, then it gets interesting after that. But if we're being real, they're probably – and I know Cleveland's good defensively, but Miles Garrett might be down now, the quarterback. Yeah. It looks had, like they're going to have Garrett. They do because yeah, they, 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 they weren't sure like, about that. They now. weren't sure, but it seems like now he may he may be a shell of himself. Yeah, but uh, he's not out. But it doesn't appear like he's going to be out yeah. for uh, for any length but of time. But nine and three feels good. Ten and three is certainly uh, they're going to. I think they're going to go their favored. I th- I yeah. agree. They're a nine point favorite Monday yeah, night, yeah. which is a gigantic line in the mm-hmm. NFL. And it's grown. It's, and it's started grown. at six and a half. And, uh, so. and uh, yeah, I would think if if they come out of Monday night healthy, now you're yeah. going on the road and it's a short week. That's and, right. That's you right. Know, we'll see what the weather looks and like in Cleveland. That's what the NFL does. I yeah, get it. But get but it. that's the to me, if the Jaguars score 17 points in Cleveland, they're going to beat the Browns. So so the, so, but then it does get interesting. The Ravens are very good. Um, I don't think at Tampa's a laydown. I think Tampa's good defensively. I think Tampa can be up and down. I don't think that one's a laydown. Um, and and who knows what happens by the time you go to Tennessee? They look lousy, but it's the last game of the year, and it's on the road, and you know that one's going to be cold. That's always it's the coldest game of the year for whatever reason. You play Nashville, you you play in Nashville late in the year, it's always freaking cold. But so, that could be for the number one seed potentially, and it could be it could be it's you gotta you have to believe Lauren, it will affect seeding. Yeah, in the past, yeah. the Jaguars have played the Titans, and it didn't matter. Yeah, you, in 2017, that last game didn't matter at all. Yeah, you have to believe this one is going to affect seeding somehow. So so I, I don't think. Baltimore's a hard game. I don't think at Tampa's a laydown by any stretch. Home against Carolina probably is a win. Um, at at Tennessee is never a guaranteed win. I don't care what kind of season they're having; it's never a guaranteed win. But I would think the next two I feel pretty good about, and I'm going to include at, and at Cleveland's one that worried me the whole time. But that's because I thought they were playing Deshaun Walker. I mean, and, and Watson, yeah. Deshaun Watson, and now they're and not PJ Walker yet. I mean, think about it; they've lost Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson. Right. I mean, that is a lot of talent. Amari Cooper. I don't know that, that that we have much of a you know a, of an idea on him yet. I you know I mean they've lost a lot of talent. I mean that, it, that I mean what Cleveland's lost offensively is is staggering. And so Jedrick Wills, their left tackle, went on IR. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's 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 a bad bad deal for them. So again, if the Jaguars can get seventeen, they may not even need to get seventeen. They may I mean twelve might be enough, but. Uh, uh, but certainly, you have to. I mean, look. You look at the rest of it, and thirteen and four certainly looks attainable. I mean, they're they're going to have to lose to somebody that they're a fairly significant favorite over to not finish thirteen and four. I mean, and and if they beat the Ravens, they could run the table. I have a really sarcastic question. Do the Jaguars want home field advantage if they're going to win all these games on the road and be better on the road than at home? Obviously, yes. Yeah, the yes, they do. I, I hear you. I'll tell you this about that, though. I don't buy that they're not a good home team. I, I think what happened is two of the home games were against Kansas City and San Francisco with maybe the two best teams in the league. And they were sleeping on the Texans. And, and the Texans were better than everyone thought. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't buy that they're suddenly a bad home team. I don't believe that. Agreed. But I do believe kind of an extension of your point to a bit, Lauren, that there's something to be gained from winning a lot away from home because you learn how to win away from home. So yes, I think there's you'd rather play the home game. I think they're a good home team. But For I sure. but I think the more you win, the more you get off a plane, get off a bus, get in a, in a in a locker room that you're not familiar with, play on a field you're not familiar with, and win the game, 
the more you do that, Hayes, the more you're accustomed to it and the more you expect to do it. So I think there is something to winning as much as they win away from home. Yeah, you'd rather have home field, but this team is very confident as they should be. If they have to go win on the road in the right. tournament, I think they're going to have every belief that, that that's not going to stop them. Uh, so they're they're in a great place, but uh, you know, yeah, hopefully they're able to to secure home field, and I that, that I mean I can't imagine the environment that would be if if they're if they get hot in the tournament, they do it here in Jacksonville. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll meet our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. And now, this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week, brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL. We have an Inglewood Ram in the house. Ismail Uriostegi joins us, a senior at Inglewood. How are you doing? Congratulations. I'm doing good. Uh, Pisha, how about y'all? We are great, thank you. All right, let's talk all about your sports career. What was the first sport that you tried out for? The first sport I tried out for was football in middle school, sixth grade year. Okay. And then have you been playing offensive line ever since? Oh, yeah. Um, I played offensive line to my seventh grade year where our kicker actually had went down. And I'm pretty sure I know Coach Robinson, right? He, um, he knew I was a soccer player. So it was like it was like right after a game. Um, he's like, our kicker's down, so we need you to you know practice kicking. And I took like two or three. He's like, yep, you're our new kicker now. And ever since then, <laughs> I ended up picking up kicking and all line to my senior year. Nice. Offensive line and kicker. Yep. And That's fantastic. What, what number do you wear? 75. Number 75 since, kicking is fantastic. Since, since and punting. That is, that, that is fantastic. Number yeah. seven, so, well, that's very cool. Tell us a little bit about soccer. How you got into soccer? Um, soccer, I played when I was younger with my uncles, my grandparents. We'll always go to like a sunny league. Okay. It's like a, more so like a Hispanic sunny league. So like I ended up practicing uh, keeper because I was like, I always watch uh, Ochoa. He was my favorite uh, Mexican yeah. goalkeeper. And I was like, I told my grandparents and my uh, uncles and my dad, I was like, I want to be a keeper. And like, went up like practicing in the backyard, sending leagues, like during like their halftime, I would just go like, they'll kick the ball with me and end up picking it up. And I think when I was like fifth, fifth grade or fourth grade, I ended up uh, doing Florida Elite. So then been a keeper ever since then when I was young. Okay, very cool. And, and tell us about track, uh, discus, what, what's the technique, how, how difficult is that and, and how fulfilling was I, your discus career, particularly this season? My discus career was very interesting. So I ended up picking up discus my uh, freshman year. My discus coach was like, she saw me like wandering around the track. She's like, hey, you look pretty big to do, uh, do discus and shot put. She's like, you want to give it a try? I was like, give me about like a week and a half and I'll think about it. Because I was like, I just got out of uh, soccer. So, you know, like I was kind of beat up from diving and stuff. So I was like, just give me a little, like, give me time to think. And I ended up talking to my parents. They're like, just give it a shot. I mean, you never know what could happen. And then my uh, freshman year, I ended up breaking uh, the discus record, which was hasn't been in for 11 years. So I beat it my freshman year, which was very, uh, was one of my goals. Sophomore year, um, ended up breaking my record again, ended up going to regionals. And then the, my record for uh, sophomore year was, I think, around like 30-ish, which was um, my high school record. Then my junior year, I ended up perfecting, like, every technique, my, like, posture, when to release, like, where to look at, like, before you release the discus. And it took a lot of hard work, dedication. Um, even my coaches, I appreciate all of them. And, yeah. And I ended up going to regionals, too. So I ended up breaking my record at regionals, which was my last throw, was my very, very last throw. 
it was like I was like I told coach I was like before my last start I was like I had to give it I had to give it everything. I was like it was like I can leave everything here on this um on this discus ring. It was at UNF too, so it was it was like regionals, and I ended up <clears throat> giving everything I had and I threw a thirty eight, and I come to my coach I was like I'm not I was like I'm not even mad I'm not going to state I was like the only thing I wanted to do was be my record before ending my junior year on track. Very cool. Absolutely, I love that story. So what's more stressful? Kicking a field goal to win a game or stopping a penalty kick to win a game? Ooh, that was a very good question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to say a penalty kick because penalty kick is more uh, 50-50. Either <clears throat> you buy the kick and you win, you win something, a championship, or you go into the championship, or it's a kick or a block you really need to win the game, which is or a very important game. A field goal is more so you're most likely going to make it. It depending depending on the weather, but most likely I would say what would be hard is a penalty kick. Okay, I like the philosophy. Yep. You're pretty much going to make this field goal kick. Uh, Isna, tell me about what do you think about for college? What, after high school, what do you, what are you what are you hoping to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do down the road? Um, I want to pursue soccer. So okay. I end up getting a call from St. Leo University. Very cool. And all I needed was a transcript. I sent it to him not too long ago. But if I don't get accepted to uh, St. Leo, I might go to Fusa University for film production. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Tell us about film production. Why does that have your interest? What do you like um, about it? I like I like recording a lot. Like mm-hmm. I have a truck, and my dad has a truck. So like <clears throat> I'm like I was like I'm gonna, like I want to do film production because I can get like nice high quality videos. Yeah. Or say for like example, like one of my uh, cousins are upcoming to be 15. I could be like their uh, photographer or something because you know I've been going to college for film production. I want to know like every technique to like perfect film. Since you like film so much, what's your favorite movie? Ooh, I would say Avengers Endgame. Yeah. That one that had me emotional. That, that that one is. was a really good movie. When they all come back. Yep. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you saw a big ring and yeah. everyone just coming right. through. I was like, yeah, that was my favorite movie. All right. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. Ismail, help me, please. Oreo Stengi. Oreo Stengi. Very good. The uh, Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week from Inglewood High School. Thanks for coming in, Ismail. Great meeting you. Appreciate it, Joe. All right. Ismail is the uh, Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week from Inglewood High School. And uh, a offensive lineman wearing number 75, who is also the place kicker. And the punter. And and the punter. So number 75 is punting. You don't see that every day, do you, Carlisle? You don't. Number 75. I love that. He was fun talking to. I mean, he's got a lot of great stories. Very great energy. Yeah, Very charismatic. So uh, so very cool. Being keeper is is a difficult position. Oh, I bet. And he was telling us in the break about, you know, when it comes to PKs, how he studies the foot placement to see which way they're going to go, whether he thinks they're going to kick it low, kick it high, all that stuff. There's a lot that goes into just one single penalty kick. Yeah, for people that don't know, like me, if you've never watched soccer and people now have, but if you haven't, that's all, it's it's if, when you're one on one with the guy making the, the guy or girl making the, the penalty kick, mm-hmm. and that goal's long. I mean, it's a big goal. It's a big goal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, you've got to cover the whole. It, that's got to be one of the hardest things in sports, right? It is, and so that's why you have to study the tendencies of the the people that are coming up to take the kick. But you also just got you have to try and get in their head, yeah. and so you're allowed to move a little bit on the line, but you can't move yeah. up or back. You're just allowed to move uh, horizontally along the line. But you just got to hope that you guess the right way because right. really that's what it comes down to. But if they kick it in upper right. 90, which is right. the you know the inside corner of either the goal, upper 90 it doesn't days. matter which way you go. I always go upper 90. Yeah. <laughs> you go upper 90, forget about yeah. it. And so now you'll see if you guys watch more soccer, you'll see some people go up and they kick it straight right. because keepers are trying to guess left or right, right. so often 
that some people just go right down the middle because they're getting a little bit smarter now. Too. You know where I go? Upper ninety. Upper ninety. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't know if you knew where I went. I don't yeah. know where you go, where I'm yeah. going. I'm going up. I've never heard that before. You haven't? Oh, oh. The upper ninety. So they. And that happens on the pitch. <laughs> that does happen on the pitch. <laughs> thank you, Ace. I feel way better. Yeah. I felt like the dumbest soccer guy in the world until just a minute ago. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks, thanks for stepping up there. I right, got a lot more to talk about. Doing thank you, for coming. We'll take a break here. When we come back, I want to get in. I think the Florida football program is at a real crossroads. And, and again, just because your coach might be on the hot seat or might not be. Just because you've changed coaches doesn't mean it's a crossroads. You would say, well, anytime you hire a new coach, it's a crossroads. But it's different. This is a because of the amount of years it's been since they have been relevant. And because they seem to be falling further and further from, from relevancy, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's a crossroads maybe like none other. And so, uh, so we'll take a break. When we come back, let's talk about that crossroads and how they uh, pull their way out of it. That's next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. You were only waiting for this moment to arrive. Hey, Frangie hates car line, Lauren Brooks. R.J. Saunders with you. So here's my thought. The, uh, the Florida football team is at a real crossroads. Here, 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 I'll set the scene for you. They've got a coach that people were excited about when he got the job because he was going to recruit better and be a better organizer and CEO and program builder and culture builder and all that than Dan Mullen or Jim McElwain was. And he seems to be doing that. There's some concern now that he's not a good coach. For those reasons, he's had back-to-back losing seasons, and it doesn't look like next year is necessarily going to get a lot better. So now it's a crossroads because all the people on social want you to fire the coach because that's what social does, fire the coach, fire the coach, fire the coach. Um, they're not firing the coach. So so a bit of the crossroads is you can talk about fire the coach all you want. They're not firing the coach. They may fire him in time. They're not firing him now. You want players, and you also know you don't have as many, enough good players next year to be a 10-win 10, 10 team either. So will the coach change enough and become a better coach Will he make enough changes on his staff? And he already made a couple last night. Will he get enough veteran players from other schools because he doesn't have enough of those? Will the play the young players he does have, will he be there long enough to coach them when they're finally juniors and seniors? And moreover, because it's been so long, you're not at a crossroads two or three years after the urban era. You just figure it'll come back or this is your downtime. Downtime isn't necessarily a crossroads. Urban Meyer's last year, last good year, was 09. So it's been 09 since you have been elite. And that was an elite football team. You came out of nowhere in 12 and were good. You came out of nowhere in 20 and were good. But it's been 09 since you were elite. And you've only been good twice. You've won the East a few other times under McWayne. But I mean, a really a damn good football program. 12 and 20 are the only two since 9, in my opinion. So now all of a sudden, you're for the first time, you're wondering if you can ever get back. And for the first time now, half the people on social, fire the coach, fire the coach, fire the coach, because that's what America says, fire the coach, fire the coach. We'll fix it by firing him. I, and I told Hicken this on the podcast. I'm a strong believer that's not always how you fix it. 
You don't always fix it by fire, 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 fire. If Billy Napier had hired an offensive coordinator for this past season and the offense didn't look great, wouldn't everyone be saying fire the offensive coordinator? Probably. Less than fire Napier? Yeah, yeah, wouldn't there be maybe. a little bit of misdirection? There, there, everybody loves to fire the coordinator. I, Correct. I, I got the biggest kick out of Randy Shannon, Patrick Tony, Todd Grantham, uh, Austin Armstrong. They all suck. Well, maybe the players weren't very good. Just If you look at the NFL, there's no good defensive players. There's no dominant defensive players from Florida in the league. So, so but, 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 but again, the social media impact. Angry fan now can be more visible than ever. That's the thing. Angry fan is more visible than he's ever been. So it's a bigger crossroad than it's been in a long time. We talked about it yesterday, Hayes. Step one is fixing the staff. So last night, clearly the problem with the team is the defense. That's clearly the problem. So he fires two defensive coaches. And all the people that want change, 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 change are upset because some of the recruits are upset. So what do you do? Was it the right thing to fire two defensive coaches? It was absolutely the right thing. And again, this signing class, it the it's the whole percep- perception of this has shifted in the last 60 days. I uh, it's gone from the signing class is his greatest asset to the signing class now is sort of immaterial because you're just not going to you can't expect nine of those kids to come in and be high-level players. They may play for you, but that's a problem if they're having to play a lot next year. Now, you might have two or three special players in that group that can absolutely be productive SEC-level players as true freshmen. But for the most part, they're not going to be – they shouldn't be out there, and, and they're, they're going to hurt you if they're out there. Like, most of the true freshmen hurt them this year with their inexperience. When you look at it, it's not the signing class. That's, that's not – at this point, that's immaterial to whether he succeeds. He has got to get players, veteran players, out of the portal. And yes, they've got to have a more cohesive coaching staff. Obviously, Austin Armstrong probably didn't get along all that great with Corey Raymond and and Spencer, and and there was obviously a, a little bit of a disconnect there. I, I so I mean, yeah, he you you've got to you've got to fix that the best way you can fix it. If the recruits are upset, then the recruits are upset. And you just hope that they understand. And it doesn't seem like they haven't had anybody decommit. Uh, so it, it doesn't seem like uh, these two coaches uh, had a major hand in getting these prospects into this class. And so in, in looking at it, they've got to fix the staff. Billy Napier, the defense has to be better schematically, you know, communication-wise. You know, there were issues. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, the signing class to me is no – I mean, it'd be great if they finished fifth, obviously, and, but you, you're not – you can't expect half those kids to come in and play significant snaps for you next year, or you're done. I can tell you right now, if, if, he's, if 12 of these kids in this signing class are expected to log the snaps that this class did, he will be fired because there's just no way with that schedule right. that true freshmen are going to hold up against the schedule they're going to play. So with the crossroads to you, the, the, the synopsis is got to get a lot of good players in the portal. Got to get a lot of good players in the portal, and you got to get a staff that understands what the coordinator wants and doesn't balk yeah. at it and, you know, doesn't they, – they need to be in lockstep. And obviously they weren't this year because Armstrong was really the only addition 
It was like everybody else stayed, right. and then they just added a coordinator. So he maybe goes to a thirty-year-old coordinator, and yeah. expected all the veterans to look to the thirty-year-old coordinator and, as the, and the so, expert. So maybe you let Armstrong go get some of his guys. That's the theory. What do you think, Crossroads? What, what has to happen? Well, this is now his third signing class, so you do have to evaluate the talent that he's brought in, and if they're not good enough, obviously moving forward, then then you make those decisions. But yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious if he doesn't get guys out of the transfer portal. Hire an offensive coordinator and hire a special teams coordinator. We are talking about a coaching search at some point in time next season. I, th- I think there's no possible way that the freshman, him as the offensive coordinator, Napier as the offensive coordinator, and a game changer coordinator is going to drastically improve from this past season because, oh, by the way, you might not have Graham Mertz. I think the biggest thing, and, 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 I, and again, we're going to talk to Danny more about it. I think there's all kind of reasons why Mertz wouldn't come back, but my gut is he's going to. My gut is that Graham Mertz is going to come back, I think, for, for all the reasons we talked about. Because if he doesn't come back then – if he doesn't come back, by the way, if he doesn't come, then you're in trouble. Then, then it's going to be hard. It could Because now, number one, you've got to go get another portal guy. Mm-hmm. So, so now you're going to get another quarterback who, who, doesn't, who doesn't know your system. Mertz knows that system inside and out. One thing about Mertz is, A, he turned out to be really good, like, like really good. But beyond that, he's obviously really smart. He picked up that system in no time. He worked hard at it. So, so if Mertz does come back, you're ahead of the game a little bit. And then Lagway can learn the system under Mertz is kind of where, where that thing – that's the perfect plan. But you have to go get portal offensive linemen. The one thing I do think, the one way to quiet everybody is to win some games out of the gate. Win some games out of the gate. The, the, the people talk about how they, they caught a – Got a tough, uh, tough draw on the schedule. Well, yes and no. Miami's not Alabama. They're Miami. What they win seven games, and it's in your house. Yeah, and 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 it's in your house. And the point you made yesterday, and it's probably at night. Right. They're not going to play the Miami Florida game on Labor Day at weekend noon. at noon. Okay. Right. So so you're probably got a night game in the swamp that you've sold out about every week. Right. Okay. So you've probably got that. Seven and five is correct. Yeah, so they, they won seven games. Okay, they won yeah. seven games and, and two of them in overtime. Right. You know, I mean, that, it's just that it's not Furman. Yeah, yeah right. That's right. Is but, the is but, the point? And then UCF you have, finished six and six. Right. And then you have Samford. Right. Later on, you get UCF in your house. Right. Who won six games? Okay. So the and then re- your fourth game's A and M, which right. I I think right. is a boost for right. Florida. And is it home? It's a home it, game. It's a brand, right. And so, they've got a new coach. So so you could start fast, and if you have your quarterback back. The the Miami's playing the freshman dude who barely played because Tyler Van Dyke went in the portal today. So the freshman dude, Emory the, Williams, Emory Williams who barely played the Samford Samford. By the way, didn't Florida almost lose to Samford? Yeah, not that long ago. they might have. But Samford's still Samford. I don't care how many times they've almost lost. Yeah. Just, it's, it's a pickle. It's, it's Samford. <laughs> and then you got they, and then you've got and then A and M comes in there with new quarterback, new coach. Now good coach, but a lot of newness there and on the road. UCF when they come in. I mean, so so the way the schedule plays out, the good thing is you have to go to Tennessee. You don't have to do it until the middle of October. I'm kind of right. glad. Yeah. I'm kind of glad that game's later this year than, than it's been. So so the schedule's not as daunting as people say, particularly if your quarterback comes back. So here's where and I'm Tennessee's going. Tennessee's not elite going back. Here's, they honestly could be favored in all four of those yeah, games. Yeah. So where I'm going with all this is the Florida football team has to get – you have to go get some players on the line of scrimmage that are free agents. You have to do well in free agency, which is what it is. And you have to get there, and they have to be offensive. I almost think three or four starting offensive linemen. Not Damian George or Goodwin. I mean guys who are good players. I mean right. good players on the offensive front. 
And if you're able to do that, and, and from an optic standpoint, if he gets an offensive play caller, somebody different, if he gets a special teams guy, a veteran guy, I think you'll see the mood change some. Look, some people, one thing about social, someone, someone doesn't like you, they're not going to like you. I don't care if you're the head coach, the offensive coordinator, or the play-by-play guy, trust me. If they don't like you, they're not going to like you. And no matter what you do, they're not going to like you. But I do think they can change the narrative a little bit by doing some of the things that people suggested. One of those is bringing in different people. Let me ask you this. I got a kick out of this today. It's all stirring around that Arkansas, of all schools, is vetting Bob Petrino mm-hmm. to come back as their offensive coordinator, the guy that embarrassed the school to no end by getting in a bad auto, motorcycle accident with his mistress, right? Mm-hmm. And now they may bring him back. Okay. I think they're floating it out on social media to see how people Testing react to see, yeah, because that's so, a thing now. So two questions. Number one, what if Florida hired Bob Petrino? Now, I don't think they would because building Billy Napier's culture guy, but for the sake of the conversation, how would you feel? I think Bobby Petrino is one of the most gifted play callers of his generation. That wasn't my question. How would you feel if Florida hired him? Oh, I'd be all for it. How would you feel if Florida hired him? I'd have a little trepidation that he's going to embarrass Florida at some point in time. Uh, but offensively, I'd love that. Okay, I think I would too. And so the second part of the question is— yeah, it's, it's like hiring Dan Mullen. Okay, right. Well, the second part of the question is we know Florida's not hiring Bob Petrino because he's right. probably going to Arkansas Hard Bust. But it does get me thinking— do you go back and get really veteran guy? Get Holgerson. That's what I'm saying. Do you go that, that that's where I'm going. Do you go get veteran do you go get Dana Holgerson? Do you go get veteran head coach who got fired but is a really good offensive mind? It just didn't work out for every reason. Rather than young cuz Billy's Billy's tendency is go get young guy that I know that he's young and he and he listens and he's a good learner and he'll be a good recruiter and young people relate to him and he'll work my camps and he'll work my clinics and he's a young guy. And rather than that, do you go get crusty 58-year-old guy who's really good and really proven to, to and do you hand him your offense? That's what I got. Well, the Petrino thing made me interested as mm-hmm. it relates to Florida. They're not hiring Bob Petrino. But maybe that's who you go get. You go Great call on Holgerson who's a really good offensive coach. Now, he's a loose cannon. He's, he's the ultimate loose cannon. But the, do you go get a guy like that? I almost think if you – it's I keep saying optics. You don't build your team with optics. But if you got a guy like that, just the amount of excitement you'd have in that social media world would – I hate to say it would be of great value. That's not why you do it. But I think in the court of public opinion, which matters more than it's ever mattered because it's, it's more vocal than it's ever been – I think that would matter. And I think people who have been concerned about the in-game play calling, when you add veteran guys to the staff, you feel more confident that he's going to, Billy is going to learn from them. And so when they watch film, the veteran coach can say, why did you call that time out there? What happened here with special teams? And they have those conversations. And so hopefully he learns and then people don't fear as much. Frank, you brought this up a a couple weeks ago and and it's, it's spot on. They've, got to get older they need experience when I look at Florida's media guide last next year when they produce it and and I'm going through the staff I want to see some gray need gray hair I thought of, you need gray, I mean we need, we need some gray hair they but need Frank's some gray, older, hair he have gray hair on this staff <laughs> so yeah. that's that's where yeah. they're at but they, they really do they they need they need some gray hair on those in those in that media guide they really do 
They, they, They'll they, hire you, but you're going to have to salt and pepper your hair. <laughs> I don't have any gray hair. But they, but they really do need – but they really do need guys that have done it. They they have got to go out and get some guys that have done it. Ron Zook. Ron Zook, um, DB's special team. It'd be great. Would you sign up tomorrow? Yes, Would because he's tomorrow? incredibly qualified to do that job. He's a great job. special teams yeah. coach. He's yeah. one and, of does best he, special... and does he still enjoy recruiting? I don't, I don't even know. care <laughs> about that. I mean, yeah. it, it, but I mean, but, but probably. But he, but, the but, special would, would teams. You hire Ron, would you, Ron Zook, DB's and special teams coordinator tomorrow. Without a doubt. If he wants to do it, absolutely. Uh, of course, if he wants to do yeah, it. But I mean, would, absolutely. Would, would, I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that be the great irony? The Gator fans are yeah. clamoring for Ron Zook to come back. Well, I mean, look, yeah. look I mean, at the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, Vance Joseph is their defensive coordinator. He was their head coach like three, four yeah. years That's ago. A great point. Yeah. And you know, he put pride aside. He got an offer from Sean Payton. Yeah. And he said, "Yes, I'll right. you know I'll return there and be defensive coordinator." Is, so I mean, what, is, what does Kerwin Bell make to be the head coach at Western Carolina? What's your guess? 900 grand? Probably nine. Probably 900. Is Western Carolina D1? Yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing. What, what, what's he make? Uh, 263,000. That's what he makes? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the fastest Google search I could do. Wait a minute. 200,000. Maybe you're right. You, hey, you said 300. So Kerwin Bell. I'm I mean, this is a forum, so I don't know that okay. it's really accurate. Well, let's say but... that's close. Let's say that's close. Let's say Kerwin Bell. I just gave him a nice raise. So Kerwin Bell's what, 60, I'm guessing? Yeah. Okay, it's confirmed two hundred sixty nine thousand. Kerwin Bell the makes, Chancellor makes three hundred thirty. Kerwin I just makes, gave him a ten percent raise. <laughs> yeah. Kerwin Bell makes two seventy. Okay, he's sixty, right? And he's, I now, would think now, so. Now, by the way, it was awful when he when he was the coordinator at USF under Charlie. That whole thing blew up. But that's USF, and they had a lot of problems before he got there. He's fifty eight. I've saw him. Call, I've seen Kerwin call plays enough. Okay, Kerwin Bell goes in and calls your plays. If if, if they announce tomorrow that Kerwin Bell is leaving Western Carolina, and by the way. Uh, I assume he'd get 1.8, so it would be a 1.5 million dollar raise. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, I saw that over right. 60 assistants, or is it more than that? Yeah. Make over a million dollars in college football. Well, a I lot think of, it's like 67. I think 1.9 is the highest. Or well, something. we're at the point now where if you're yeah. a Power Five school, yeah. your offensive and we're defensive coordinator seven, are definitely figures. making over a million. Okay, so so yeah. let's say Kerwin goes in at 1.5. I mean, he's got to take it, right? Oh, he would yeah. take it. I mean, I'm not as in love with that. You know, why not? I don't no, know. Yeah. I mean, I I would go get like Dana Holgerson. Okay, okay. So, I mean, I would go get somebody. Someone's done it at a bigger level. High, bigger high level. level. I, I'm with you. Okay. Uh, I you know, it. it's tough to get the, to but me. I, it's tough to get the South Florida taste out of my mouth yeah. in terms of how how he was there. I mean, I, and it, look, it's not anything personal. He's a great guy. Yeah, he's a great Gator. Yeah. Um, but uh, but if I was Billy Napier, I would go bigger. A ve- yeah, a, a more P- Bob Petrino type. Yes, but but, but what about going, Joe Brady? Is he still available? He's seeing the, the he's bills. Now, he's now the coordinator with the right. Bills. But as soon as the season ends, yeah. But but I mean that. But a guy like. But the point is whether it's Kerwin, Petrino, Brady, Ron Zook to do special teams, whoever. If he went out and got somebody that would change the optics a bit, that would say, okay, I'm loosening up and I'm letting this happen, because I think everything else. You know, I I think people know we, recruiting still does matter. By the way. And they know Billy Napier's that. Character does matter. They know he's that. He can get good players. They really work close on games. Maybe those maybe Dana Holgerson is the difference in in winning some of those and a Dana Holgerson type with Graham Mertz coming back. And a special teams coordinator. And a special teams coordinator that that that's a veteran guy, then all of a sudden because because I'm joking about Ron Zook. My guess is 70-year-old Ron Zook's probably not going to be the guy. But 50-whatever-year-old Dana Holgerson could be. 
That that's actually more realistic. That 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 really could happen, by the way. And remember, like the the greatest of all time is still Nick Saban, as far as the modern era is concerned. And he has he's a defensive genius. He has a defensive coordinator, and he goes through obviously Correct. his coordinators. Correct. It seems like year in and year out because yeah. everyone wants to hire his people. Yeah, yeah. But he hired Kevin Steele this yeah. year. That's a lot of people wanted them to hire Cade Bell, Kerwin's kid. And I'm sure Cade's good. He's a good coach because they set all kind of records up there. Kerwin's the offensive mind. I'm sure he lets Cade call the plays. But it's Kerwin's offense and he built it. But 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 I think if you do that, the point though, the whole topic, the whole segment is they're at a big crossroads. They've got to do something dramatic, something different. What they can't do is same old, same old. And this spring can't look like last spring. And this recruiting season and this portal season can't look like last portal season. I, I wrote a long thread on this. A, they need Merch to come back. Somehow, some way, they need Merch to come back. B, they've got to get a lot of offensive linemen in that portal. Maybe some defensive linemen, too. But they've got to get linemen in that portal. Three, they've got to get different play callers and, uh, and a different special teams guy. Those three things. Mertz is back. Three or four really good offensive linemen in the portal. A special uh, offensive coordinator and a special teams coordinator. I just think everybody gets excited then in social media. Don't you? I do. And, and they've got to retain their core. I mean, the, right. the, they can't. They can't lose their their main guys uh, to the portal. I I don't think they will, but that would be a real emergency if you if you do see one of their core nucleus players for next year getting into the portal. That would be uh, basically uh, a, a bomb being dropped yeah. on uh, on their future success. So retain your good players. Yes, absolutely. They need to be the storyline in uh, of the college football world. Post national championship, the the early the first storyline in the early off season nationally needs to be wow look at what Billy Napier has done at Florida, look at who he's brought in, look at how well they did in the portal, and look Florida you know the the guys out there the the big money guys you just saved thirty million and not buying this out right so right. take a portion of that right <laughs> and go get some really good talent in the portal. We'll take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about Dogs in Crimson Tide. What a game that's going to be. That's next. Stay with us. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Time now for the Sky Life Elite Take Flight Moment of the Week. Sky Life Elite, North Florida's premier private air charter. There's a lot of airspace to cover for Milro. Still looking. Firing. Near corner. It's caught! Touchdown, Alabama! Isaiah Bond! On a fourth and a mile! We always keep thinking we've seen it all, and we never have, have we? (laughs) It's unbelievable how Auburn could lose that game. I mean, never, ever, 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 ever rush two. Fourth and goal from the 31? I mean, if and you, you rush two, allow it? If you rush two against five, at some point, he's got enough time to find one breakdown in your coverage. Yeah, and he did. Uh, and, and it was an unbelievable credit. Kept Alabama in the national title race. And uh, certainly they've got a, a monster game coming up Saturday uh, against Georgia that will will break down. Do want to thank our friends at Skylife Elite. Again, if you're tired of canceled flights, unruly passengers, and layovers, call our friends at Skylife Elite. 
consider using private charter flights for your next adventure. You just pull up at Craig Airport, get out of your car, get on the plane, and go. Uh, give them a call, 490-9332, or go to flyskylife.com. It's amazing how close Auburn plays Alabama. It's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know the game was at Auburn, but there's no – I mean, Auburn just lost big to New Mexico State. Yeah. And then shows up against Alabama. Auburn played Georgia close this year, too. They did. They, they, they should have beaten Alabama the last two times in that building. Right. Because Bixby yep. ran out of bounds yep, that, two years exactly ago. That right, yeah. probably seals the game. Right. That's right. And but the good point. But, the, uh, but, I mean, this game was over. It was amazing. How in the – I mean, when they rushed three the time before, I, I, was, I thought yeah, it was I a bad idea. I don't even like rushing three there. And then you rush two. I'm thinking, what? Are you, again, you rush two. He's going to find a guy open. Well, and why would you spy him? It's 31 yards. I mean, if if you've got nine guys in the end zone, I mean, somebody's going to be able to rally and right. tackle him before he, he runs 31 yards yeah, for the score. Yeah, I think so, you rush four, okay? You put four across the goal line, right. and you put three across about the five-yard line. Yeah. And that's what you do. Right. I mean, you rush four. Four are at the goal line. Four or three are at the 10-yard line. And there's no way they can score. If you rush four, at some point he's going to have to throw the ball. He could still have it. Right now, if he, if he wasn't open, he'd still be running around back there. I mean, it was ama- what an amazing finish. So it takes us to Alabama, Georgia. So I watched Ohio State, Michigan about every play. You guys probably did too. Mm-hmm. Really good game. Re- really good, old-school, tough-nosed football game. There wasn't a whole lot of fancy stuff in that game. It was just who was tougher and who was more physical. And Michigan had the better team. Michigan should have won, and Michigan won the game. I sense we're going to get a little bit of that when when Alabama plays Georgia. But I just think Georgia's so good, even Alabama can't play with them. Agree or disagree? I agree. I mean, I think Alabama will fight. But at the end of the day, I just think Georgia's so efficient offensively and they're so talented defensively, even though it seems like every year waves of their players go to the NFL. They, I mean, they score an average of 38 points a game, and they allow an average of 16 points a game. Alabama's not quite near either of those, and so they're close, but not quite. Some people would say, well, Georgia had a, you know, a schedule that wasn't nearly as difficult as Alabama's, possibly. But at the end of the day, I, I still think what Carson Beck, Brock Bowers, Lad McConkey will do uh, to Alabama's defense is, is yeah, put up points. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I find myself thinking that, that they are so good. But I do think this. I do think we are headed for Georgia-Michigan. And my gut does tell me, Hayes, that we got to wait for it, but that'll be a pretty good game. I mean, I think that's what we're going to have. I want Alabama-Georgia to be good so badly. I think by the fourth quarter, though, the dogs are up nine. Really? Yeah, you don't. You think it's a fourth quarter? I think quarter it's a close game. game. Yeah. I, I, I like Georgia and, in the game. Yeah. Uh, but because I, I just I trust Carson Beck more. Yeah, he just hasn't had moments of inconsistency, and so I, I think that that'll be the difference. And and Carson Beck will, will make the plays late uh, to win the game. So I I like Georgia in the game, but I think it's a I think it's a thriller. I mean, I, I certainly think Alabama's going to have their moments. They're going to get the you know some stops. I I just think Georgia's going to make that you know one extra play. Uh, to win the game because it's just it's it's what they do. Do so you think a last I mean, three or four minute game? I I do. I I think it comes down to the last few minutes, but I think Georgia wins it. I think it's close in the fourth quarter, but by mid fourth quarter, yeah. you know that that Georgia's going on. That's the game. The I, that's the game I see. I see the game. I see a game that uh, it's close at the half. 
Alabama hangs around and then Georgia's Georgia. I'll say this. If Georgia beats Alabama handily, what he's done, what Kirby Smart has done there is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I mean, nobody – I mean, here I – this is Ala-freaking-Bama we're talking about, and we're asking if they have a chance. You never ask if Alabama has a chance. Even when they're playing Clemson and Trevor and whoever, Deshaun – you never ask if Alabama has a chance. I find myself asking if they have a chance. That's what's so bizarre about this moment. I find myself asking, do the Alabama Crimson Tide, coached by Nick Saban, have a chance? Or maybe it's a dumb question. Maybe, of course, they have a chance. But, but, but the fact that I'm even asking you that question is where we are in this thing. Yeah, I, I don't see it like that. I, I think it's – coin flip is too strong, but I think it's a 60-40 Georgia yeah. game. I mean, I, I – What's the line, 4-5? I think it's like four. Uh, I, yeah, that's true. I, I think actually it has jumped to six. Yeah, last I, I looked. Um, so guys. some uh, some movie uh, money moving on Georgia. I, I just I look at it this way. I I think I think Alabama is is too good and too accomplished and has too good of a staff to ever be in a game where they might be a slight underdog, but that's all it can be. Like there, the, we don't live in a world where Alabama is a significant underdog to anybody and th- and that's to take nothing away from Georgia Kirby Smart may be well on his way to becoming the greatest college football coach that we've ever seen uh, he, he's he's a couple wins away from his third straight national title and he's in his 40s so he might win 14 of these things but in looking at it Georgia's I think better but it's not by a wide margin and how Alabama won the Iron Bowl that is the kind of stuff mm-hmm. of is this sort of a charmed team of destiny kind of th- like winning a game like that I think gives you such belief and oh by the way your coach is Nick Saban uh, so I mean I think it's going to be a great game I just think Georgia's got one too many plays in them for Alabama to win it but I, I think it's going to be a classic SEC title game. Yeah, like you said, we're so accustomed to the players on Alabama being stars, right? Whether it's offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, the quarterback, obviously, the receivers. Like, they have so much talent and depth. That has shifted to Georgia. More people will talk about Georgia's lines of scrimmage, their linebackers, even the receivers, to a point. The one player that I'll keep an eye on for sure is Jermaine Burton, who's the Alabama wide receiver who transferred from Georgia, just to see if – because he knows that team so well, if he can kind of, you know, make something happen there. And he's uh, he's a talented receiver, too. Milrose legs, maybe, that that can be certainly something that Alabama no can lean on. Because, uh, I, like I said, I do think it's close. Saban has too much experience, too, to, to let Georgia go up and down the field. We'll take a break. Uh, when we come back, one more segment with Lauren on a Tuesday. It's 1010XL 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Hayes, can you sing every word of this song? It'd be close. Yeah. Is this the one that starts, I come home in the uh-huh. middle of the night? Yeah. In the yeah. morning light. Morning light. Okay. So, no, but most <laughs> of them. Yeah. <laughs> Same, same thing as yeah, right. Same thing. Yeah. You were close enough. Yeah. This is Cindy Lauper for those of you who maybe weren't around listening to 80s music. It was funny. We were at Island Wing last week and they were about to have 80s trivia, music trivia. All the servers dressed up in their 80s stuff. 
And I asked them how it went, and they were like, we didn't know any of the music. I was like, yeah. that's because you weren't born in right. the 80s. And like you said, or the 90s. Yeah. It's kind of hard to know the music. That's right. Oh, Frank Ray J. Scarline, RJ Saunders, I'm Lauren Brooks with you. Uh, by the way, tomorrow is our 16th annual Tom Coughlin J. Fund Isn't that great? Radio Isn't Fund. that great? Yeah, it, it really is. Well, it's a special, special day, and it's a day that the Tom Coughlin J. Fund does such a great job. It affects, it, it helps families who are affected by pediatric cancer, and and, and, I, and you'll hear the stories tomorrow throughout the day of some of the families affected positively by the J Fund. But you know by now, you've listened to our radio station enough and you've watched Tom and, and Kelly Coughlin and the job they've done on that wonderful charity. But you know, you've heard, I, know, I trust that most people listening to this radio station have heard the stories of how difficult it is when your family is affected by pediatric cancer, that one of the parents often has to quit working, uh, the bills, the medical bills, the mortgage, the everything that adds up, and, and <coughs> excuse me, what the J Fund does it's really amazing. It's amazing work. It's kind. It's care, and and it's uh, it, it it's one of the greatest charities I've ever been around in my life. And I'm proud. To, I'm really, really proud of all the things. There's a lot of things about this radio station that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. Seventeen years in, I'm proud of our Duval County Scholar Athlete. I'm proud of how committed Steve's been to high school athletics and JU and UNF and local stuff that matters. It's not all about pro sports. And and I'm proud that we're the voice of the the station of the Jaguars and the great relationship we have with them and the flagship of the Gators. I mean, it's been this has been a pretty amazing radio station for these 17 years. And, I, and I'm, all of us at work here are proud of all of it. But that J-Fund, man, is top of the list, isn't it? it what, what we do there. And, and it's amazing what the um, listeners are able yeah. to give. And, and I never think, you know, how are we going to reach that goal? Yeah. That's a, that's a $200,000 is a lot of money in one day for one local radio station yeah. to raise. And the listeners will blow it out of the water. Yeah, it's really, it's pretty amazing. stuff. So it'll be a great day tomorrow, all, starting with the morning show. And they do a one fantastic job. And and I'm, I'm sure Tom will be with us a few times throughout the day. Usually Tom's on in the morning and then comes then stops by with us. Uh, it's, it'll just be an amazing day. So, so we hope we know you'll be listening. We're certainly excited about that. Can I plug another local charity? Yes. Hayes is, uh, if for people watching on YouTube, Hayes is wearing part of the gear, walk-off charities. Yeah. People you want to give today on yeah, Giving Tuesday. Yeah, Giving Tuesdays today. We've had very good response to it. Um, $23. We said 23 because it's the year 2023. Uh, $23 uh, puts two kids in a glove. Uh, two kids have gloves. Gloves, gloves. About ten bucks gets a kid a glove, and two kids get gloves for that. Uh, these most of these kids that we give baseball gloves to would never have owned a baseball glove their entire life without this. So, um, so yeah, if you get a chance, go on to walkoffcharities dot com, and um, we'd love to have you on Giving Tuesday. Yeah, uh, donate again twenty three bucks. And you can give more than that if you, you so desire. That's right. But but it, we've we started at twenty three bucks. Twenty three bucks gives a. Uh, two kids get a. I mean, I'm and I'm. I'm not. That's not a. That's not a line, by the way. Two kids get a baseball glove. Two two kids and these kids would not have baseball gloves. They would never play. Uh, the the best thing in the world. And Lauren goes to all of them. So Lauren sees our clinics and works our clinics. But the uh, seeing those kids, the best thing about those clinics, the best thing when those little kids come out there, they're eight years old and they're in the third grade. They're from Title One schools. Um, so they're sometimes they're most of the time from from can be difficult areas, sometimes underserved areas. And when you say when the coaches all the first station they get their glove, and the coaches say let's put your name on the glove, that's the moment because that's the moment they realize they get to keep it. And just just 
without even saying anything. The jaws open, the, the mouth opens, and they see the eyes, and that's the best moment of the clinic. So, so anyway, $20, $23 helps us. And we got plenty of them, by the way, but $23 helps us buy more of them. So we hope you'll get involved. It's in funny. Them. They always tell me getting a hot dog is the best part. Well, of that's the pretty good, too. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we don't. I never want to ask them anymore because the hot dogs always win. I used to ask what's the best part of your day. The hot dog is always the best part of the day. The hot, they love the hot dog lady, Hayes. Oh yeah, everybody loves the hot dog lady. That's right. So, so there, there certainly is, uh, cer- certainly is that. Um, one other thing about college football before we get, to, we're gonna ask Denny some questions about the portal. Do you get the sense the portal is going to be crazier than ever this year? Oh yes, I think it's going to be like we've never seen it. I think there'll Even, be more in it than out of it. I do too. I think there'll be more. I think you're because now with the NIL, with people figuring out all oh, how much money is out there now, I think there will be more players. I think it'll be crazy. The amount of players that change teams. It always has been, but I think it'll, I think this year players changing teams will trump anything we've ever seen before. Yeah, you know the phrase, the old phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. I think every collegiate athlete thinks at some point in time, if it if their season isn't going the way they want it to, if their career is not going in the trajectory they want it to, they think all I have to do is transfer and all my dreams will come true whether that's the NIL and the money that they're going to get, whether that's more playing time, whether that's a more successful season, everything is going to be better as long as I get to a different school. Yeah, everybody thinks that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's 130 Division One schools, and I would venture that probably only 25 are players in the NIL world. Uh, so, I mean, th- if you're a star at a school that's in, you know, the that's not a Power 5 school, I mean, why wouldn't you enter the portal right. to see what financially is going to be there for you? I can't imagine that you're earning a lot if you're at no slight to these schools, but in East Carolina or a Tulsa or, you know, a, a San Diego State, you know, I, I wouldn't think that the NIL there is going to be overly substantial. And that's a lot of schools. I mean, again, if, if, you're, if you're saying that – I more than half of the schools in Division One football probably aren't going to be able to do much in terms of NIL. Uh, the schools that are armed and, and ready and willing to spend, I mean, it's just you may not like it, but it's, it is absolutely Major League Baseball. There is no cap. Uh, the teams that don't spend are going to lose great players to the teams that do spend. I also think you're going to see there's, no, there's not going to be any more of this, well, we're not going to embrace the portal. That that's just a non-starter. Yeah, that ship sailed. I mean, Dabo Swinney is obviously the the poster uh, child boy, or however you want to phrase it, <laughs> man of uh, of that attitude. But you can't have that attitude now. You've got to embrace the portal, and so it's going to create more demand. Clemson's certainly going to have nil money. That uh, I'm sure that he's been told we have this money, and we expect you to spend it. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I think you're going to see uh, just an, an an absolute all out bidding war for forty to fifty players. Would you like a cap? Would you like it if the NCAA or let's say each conference said they all came together and they said this is what we're doing in college football this year? The name, image, and likeness was intended for student athletes to be able to go sign autographs and make as much money as they wanted, but it's turned into companies and schools trying to get players in the portal and leave. And it's created the chaos that we should have seen coming. So now, from now on, it's a cap. Each school gets $5 million, pay it however you want, but you can't go over that. Yeah, Every school. I think it would be more fair. The problem is, unlike pro sports, they cheat. 
See, pro sports has a cap. You can't cheat it. You have to turn it in, and everybody agrees, and it's you know you can't cheat the cap. Everybody sees the contract. E- everybody right. sees everything. Yeah. Pro, you college, they would just they would do what they did before there was there was uh, nil. They just cheat. I'd so, like to see contracts. Yeah. I think we should be able to see what they're yeah, making. Yeah, right. I, but I, to your point, it would be okay. We'll pay you three point seven million to come be our quarterback. Right. You know, on our cap. Right. right, but then we're going to hand you a suitcase every week, Correct. filled with cash, the way they the did NFL, before there was right. NIL. The NFL players get endorsements that have nothing to do with what yeah. they make from their team, so there's still a way to make more than your forty-five million dollars yeah. if you're Aaron Rodgers. I think what's going to wind up happening, Lauren, and I, and I never was convinced we were headed there until now, but now I am convinced we're headed there. I think what you're ultimately going to wind up seeing, and I'm pretty convinced of this, is a small group of teams that comprise the upper division of college football. I don't know if the number is 60, 40, whatever. But I, but I think you're now going to see uh, an upper level, a Division I, the whatever they call Division A, Division I, whatever you want to call it, because the old Division I won't qualify anymore. It will be probably – and there will be teams at the bottom of that list, that, the, the Northwesterns and Vanderbilts that don't belong, right? But I, I, think, I think we're headed there. I, I, don't know how the, I don't know what the conference makeup will be. I don't know how they're but, – but don't you sense that? That's where all the conference realignments headed to where a handful of teams will compete. And and, and, it'll, and maybe it starts with a 12-team tournament. Because in, in college basketball, you still have a 68-team tournament, but it's about eight that can win the national title. Well, now you're going to have a 12-team tournament in college football with about three or four that can win, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And I, so, I, so I think we're – I will say this. I'm really interested in the 24th season and seeing what that 12-team tournament looks like. I, I I really do think – the 12-team tournament that kicks it off. By the way, I should know this. What did we decide? Four get buys? Yes. And then the other and the other eight teams play on campus? That's right. So, so, so there's four buys. So going off the AP poll this week, you would have – The top four get buys. And, again, this isn't official, but with the updated playoff rankings aren't out. So yeah. we're going off of the AP because last week playoff rankings will obviously not have the Michigan-Ohio State game factored in. You'd have 12 seeded Oklahoma going to fifth seeded Oregon. Okay, Oklahoma at Oregon. Yep. You'd have Ole Miss at Ohio State. Okay. You'd have Penn State at Texas. Okay. And you'd have Missouri at Alabama. Those are pretty good games. I mean, Absolutely. That, I mean, that's a pretty good first four games. Okay. And then if you didn't reseed, you would have number one Georgia. Versus the Alabama Missouri winner. That's right, the Alabama Missouri winner. Yeah. So, so you, it, it, what a great matchup, right? I mean, what, what a bunch of great. Uh, and, and let's assume all the favorites win. Give me the second round games. So the second Maybe round one, games eight, two, would seven. then be, let's say, Georgia versus Bama, Texas versus Michigan, Ohio State versus Washington, and Oregon versus FSU. How good is that? I mean, Fantastic. I mean, th- th- that's what would you just roll it? What you just read off? That's fantastic. I mean, the second round would be about as good as he gets. Is Florida in the 12 team playoff next year? <laughs> no. I, no, they won't be. In two years? Uh, yes. Will Florida I, be in a bowl game next year? <laughs> I, I, th- I, I, th- I th- I'll stand my ground on this. If he makes the fourth year, they will be very good in his fourth year. That's okay. what I, they will be a they will be a, they will be a playoff team in his fourth year. I say very good, top 12. But if they, if he makes if he makes it to a fourth year. There'll be a playoff team in year four. Agree or disagree? That, that's if true. he makes it to year four, there'll be a playoff team in year four. Yeah, that's what I was saying. If he makes it to year four. We'll, By the uh, way, so it's now the six highest ranked conference champions. Do they have to rework that with the whole Pac-12 
combusting? I think well, that's the question. I think they have. This been, is on the Insayably website as of November. Yeah, they've yeah. been trying to adjust it, and yeah. I think okay. they have. I thought they passed something. So that, five now. I think it's five yeah. and. I, wild card? Yeah, something to that effect. I, th- I think it's probably, I think it's five. Well, all, the rest of them are all wild cards, but I think it's probably five now. I think it's probably the five highest ranked conference champions since there's now, and so. Two teams in the pack. Which, 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 two. That, so that, the rankings still matter. What that will mean, is, right. Absolutely. So they will matter. So you're exactly right about that. So, all right, we'll uh, take a break. Enjoy your hour off. Thank you. Uh, you and no, no Taylor tonight. You and that's Mia right. Tonight. Taylor has the night off, so Mia and I will have it for you. You and Mia have it. It's uh, six o'clock. Danny Thompson joins us to talk quarterbacks and more. I want to talk a lot about the portal when we return. Stay with us. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. Now, the quarterback whisperer, Denny Thompson. Okay. Bring it in. Brought to you by Tyson Sound and Security, security and automation experts, and George Moore Chevrolet. One, two, three. The Whisperers here. Do you get any NIL money? Do Whisperers get it? Is there any NIL Whisper money? Carline, do you think? I think absolutely. There's got to be NIL Whisper money, don't there? It's not NIL money, no. (laughs) Nobody's paying me. (laughs) Those schools Uh, are paying me, I can promise you that. uh, Denny Thompson is here. Hey, let me, I really do want to ask you about all this. Danny, is a is a because Graham Mertz is what got us talking about it. When you're advising one of your, and I know he's not one of your guys, but so you can talk objectively. I think you always talk objectively. But Danny, if you're advising a guy, and I know we had the Mertz conversation last week, but we've had it a lot this week, and now you're back in here with us. What do you look at? Do you look at when does the NFL tell you what round you're going to go in? Do they? I mean, I mean, what do you, if, if no. you? No. What, what? How does the How does the whole evaluation process work? It's tricky, and it's. I was just telling Hayes, it's it's a moving target with NIL now because you don't know yeah. everybody's value. So if you take a guy, th- this is the perfect year because there seems to be a million quarterbacks, right? So not everybody's going to go first round. Not everybody's going to go second round. So right. if you take a guy this third or fourth round um, and you think he's third or fourth round, the NFL never tells you, hey, we feel strongly that he's going to go in the third round. It's more of like a – uh, he's got that kind of grade. Well, I've seen third-round grades that go undrafted. Right. I've seen third-round grades that go high in the second. Sure. Right? So it's it's one of those things where it's like you go back to the school and it's a world full of NDAs, so you never really know how much anybody's making. Okay. Um, And you, you run the risk because you could walk in that office and you could say, hey, I want to talk NIL, and they could go, hey, there's the portal. Right, and the next thing you know, in this world where there's a million quarterbacks on there, you could tumble. You don't know. So there's a, we hear about the money and we hear about certain guys, but there is a, there's a ton of risk associated with hitting the portal. Right, let me ask you. I got a bunch of questions on this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw them to you in kind of rapid fire. Okay. How does age factor in? Like in a running back, you would think it would really factor in because there's only so much trade. How much? How do, Graham Mertz is 23. Uh, I don't know how old Carson Beck is. I mean, how? Yeah, I mean, Carson just turned 22. Okay. Um, how, how does, does that factor in? It, from the decision, from their decision standpoint? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. I don't okay. think at that point it does. But, you know, like Austin Reed, for example, okay. he went back this year, and that was a conversation we had. Yeah. Is, you know, been in college for a minute. Um, but all in all, it would take you being 24 or yeah. something like that for it to factor. And uh, if you're in the Mertz case, if. Uh, What's Florida going to give him a stay? A million? Would he get a million to stay? I mean, they I really need so. him. Not le- 750? 500? I, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, it, it would be sick. I think, this is me. I know nothing about this. I, I'm guessing it's going to be 
Low six figures. Okay, okay. Low six figures. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Cam Ward, the Washington State guy, they say has $10 million offers. Wouldn't you pay – wouldn't you think you'd pay your guy more to say – you don't think so, though, huh? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how Florida's collective works yeah, either. Yeah. You're always going to I get know. more money. It, like, the thing with Cam Ward – funny enough, Cam's actually in Jacksonville today. Um, the thing with Cam is he is a legit high draft pick. Okay. So if you're going to go after gotcha. him, you're going to have to replace gotcha. that money. Whereas a guy that might not be drafted, very well, you answer yeah, my, he doesn't have a whole question. lot of options. So yeah, I mean, it, it it makes for some tough decisions, that's for sure. What would you guess the over under is in a general sense? Let's say we don't even know who all is going to be in the portal, but whoever in a month the nation deems this is the best quarterback in the portal, I. What would you guess the over-under would be on the dollar amount for the unquestioned, assuming there is one, right? but the unquestioned, wow, no, nobody can believe, maybe that's too strong, but this is considered to be the best quarterback in the portal. What do you guess the over-under on the dollar figure would be? I'm Six gonna, and a half million? Yeah, I'm gonna, I was going to say five. Okay. Uh, somewhere around that area, but wow. just because I'm trying to think of who that is. Now, right. if all of a sudden Caleb Williams says, I want to go back to school, right. you're probably talking 10. Yeah, I mean, right now we're talking about like Will Rogers and the Howard kid at Kansas State, yeah. right, have, have said they're going, right. they're in the right. portal. Yeah. Right. Um, and I haven't, Will Will works with us. I love Will to death, and he's thrown for a million yards. I, I haven't talked to him, so I have no idea, but I, if I'm... Which Will, Rogers? Yeah. Okay. If I'm... Will Rogers and I've thrown for that yardage, and I know that there's teams. I'm looking at the ones that have all the pieces, and maybe I take a little bit less because there's more money on Sundays. You're ring chasing, absolutely. Yeah, abs- I don't. I, I, I want to play 15 ball games, right? Right, like I, or whatever it is, 14 ball games, 15 with the championship. Like that's the way I'm going to look at this, and I may take a little bit less so that I got some dudes around me that make me make some NFL throws. All right, other questions about the portal stuff. How hard is it? I mean, quarterback's leadership, Danny. Quarterback's the, the most important guy in the locker room. Quarterback's obviously the guy talking in the huddle. Um, you go to the portal and you wind up at school B, um, learning the offense, guys trusting you, uh, off-season workouts. Is that stuff all overrated? Because w- it seems like it is because people uh, – 60 of them change every year. I, I, it wouldn't, isn't that a big deal? This is such no? a good point because I just had this conversation last night with one of our guys, and he was talking about getting in the portal. And my point to him was, listen, you've never had a year where you go into the year and you're the guy. And this Not Carson Beck for Georgia Yeah, fans. yeah, it's a different guy. But you've never had a year where you're walking around, everybody's looking at you the guy, as the guy, and you are teaching new kids and all that kind of stuff. Are you really want to give that up to go somewhere to do what you're talking about? Right. Where now you're the new guy, and you're having to learn. Everybody's having to catch you up, and you, you feel like you're chasing, chasing, chasing. Now, the one thing, the elite ones, the great ones, you could put them in a room with anybody, and they're going to feel comfortable. They've got that leadership capability. Um, but mo- a lot of them, uh, it, that is a very good point, and it's something that's talked about a lot, is are you sure you want to be the new guy in town while you're supposed to be interviewing for the bigger job coming up? And the converse of that, and let's let's go back to Mertz for a second. What's the value for Graham Mertz if he returns? And let's say maybe there's a new OC, but basically they're probably going to run similar to what they were running this year. Uh, what's the benefit of Graham Mertz having all the tape that he had this year, then going through spring practice and having that familiarity if he chooses to go back to Florida? 
It's a huge value. I mean, it, just staying in that same place. You you guys know, like when you move houses, like it is a you're discombobulated for weeks. You're moving not only houses, you're moving your whole life. You're moving your academics. I'm assuming Graham Mertz has graduated, so maybe he's not taking many classes. Right. But and then you're you're having to learn a whole new family, literally a whole new family. So I, I think it is so valuable to keep your feet on that same campus if you have a comfort with what's around you and the system. I, I, I don't know that you can put a dollar. You can. But what we're talking about with Graham Mertz, I, I'm not sure that dollar amounts there. Because he's, by the way, biggest point of leverage he's got is right this second. Right. He If, if he's not in there talking to, to Florida, then shame on him. Final question about him is this. The one thing that I think that could keep him there, and I don't know if he's going to stay, but the one thing is in the offseason, nobody knew who he was. I mean, nobody – that's not true. But nobody had great respect for who right, he was. Right, right, right. Okay? So maybe scouts didn't even notice. Maybe people didn't pay attention. Well, now he's going to go into an offseason if he stays in college where everybody knows who he is. He may not be great, but everybody now knows Graham Mertz. Yeah. And everybody I – mean, he threw 20 touchdowns and three picks. He completed 73%. So now everybody has high expectations for him. Does that make the NFL look closer? Does that make – does does that heighten his chances? Because the point Hayes has made – does he have a way better chance in the 25 draft or the, than the 24 draft, partly because there's so many good quarterbacks in 24, but also partly because people now are aware of him? Is there something to that? Or am I yeah, reaching no, out? I think there is. I think from an evaluation standpoint especially, because now yeah. people are aware of him, and, and he probably has people that know people yeah. and are getting feedback of what his perceived weaknesses are. Right. Right. So if you feel strongly that you can attack those weaknesses – and you can up your stock from, I don't know, I'm hypothetically saying a sixth-rounder to a third-rounder. That's right. huge. Right. So I, I think there's definitely a benefit for that. But I, I don't – in Graham Mertz specifically, Graham Mertz was not the issue. Graham Mertz was, in a lot of ways, highlighted in this offense. Yeah, he, he was the guy. He really benefited. I, I don't know that there is a better situation for Graham Mertz out there than the University of Florida if, if, if he feels comfortable with what they're running. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere else. I yeah. think he's either coming out or going to Florida. Final thing on college, I want to get to. I want to get to Stroud versus T, uh, to Trevor Lawrence. Um, Carson Beck to me every week gets better. Yeah, I now can't fathom him playing another year of college football. Yeah. Now there, you read everywhere that he's going to come back or that he's thinking about coming back. I think he's a top fifteen twenty draft pick, unless I'm just a dummy and I might be. But Unless unless I'm missing something or just being biased to the Jacksonville guy, Denny, I'm I'm watching them all. I watch every college game. I watch JJ McCarthy. I watch the guy at Ohio State. I watch the guy at Penn State. Uh, I watch Bo Nix. They're not better than him as far as pro prospect stuff. They're not. They're. I'm not sure Drake May's better is a pro prospect. I'm probably wrong, but I'm telling you to my eyes. Uh, you and I are the same. I think he's the best, second best quarterback yeah. prospect. So, so he can't possibly come back, right? There's a there's a thing that's happening with Carson right now, and I don't know what he's going to do. We're, we're going to talk about it a lot this weekend after the game. He he's having a blast, man. Yeah, he is having an good, absolute and like, blast, and that's right very now. cool. Yeah, and it, to the point where you know we we set timetables of hey, we're going to start talking about this stuff. And he's no interest in talking about this right now. This man is like locked in chasing a ring because he knows at the University of Georgia, if you don't three peat. It's not an overall success. So he is locked into that. He has told me multiple times, I don't want to take any phone calls. You handle the crap. And uh, he's having the time of his life. Peyton Manning could have come out after his junior year and been the first pick of the draft. There's no debate. Yeah. There's no debate. He was the first pick in the draft. Justin Herbert. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. 
But Peyton said, I'm having too much fun playing college football, and I love the University of Tennessee, and this is the last chance in my life I'm ever going to have a chance to be the University of Tennessee quarterback, and I'm going back. Well, when this whole thing finishes, too, maybe emotions come down because we've all been part of a team that has success, and it is the most fun you can have. Right. And you don't want to leave anywhere but in that. So maybe when it's all said and done, he'll sit down, and we're going to have to have a conversation about realities, and realities have number signs. Um, but I don't know what that University of Georgia is worth to him. No. It seems like it's a lot right now. We'll take a break. We're going to come back. Trevor versus CJ. I want to see what Denny thought about it. What a ball game it was. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. One more segment with the Whisperer, Denny Thompson, with us, Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, RJ Saunders with you. I got to tell you, getting the call, Trevor Lawrence versus C.J. Stroud was pretty cool, Denny. I thought about you Sunday, yeah. yeah. It was pretty cool because I love quarterback play. It was really, number one, Trevor outplayed him. And the, all this talk about C.J., 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 Trevor outplayed him. And it was what, 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 what Trevor has in front of him is so exciting. Boy, C.J. Stroud's good. Yeah. Boy, he's good. What, what, what did you make of watching those two quarterbacks? I had a blast. It was a fun game to watch, um, which is a change for Houston-Jacksonville usually. But, I mean, it was a blast to watch. The thing that stuck out with me about CJ, we'll start with CJ, is it doesn't matter where that kid's feet are. He can throw an accurate ball to the right if his feet are to the left. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, his feet are – I don't. I won't say irrelevant because that's strong, yeah. but – like lining up to the shot in golf would be just a suggestion for him, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. that type yeah. of thing. Um, and he can get to so many throws that way. It, it's it's interesting. He makes off platform throws. Really, the way he does it, they're balanced throws. He's just that balanced of a guy. So he's fun to watch. He can get to every throw on the field. He'll continue to do that. But Trevor, to me, man, I just we saw this against Buffalo, and we saw it this week. He comes out with just this energy, and the ball comes out differently. Boy, oh boy, did it. It, it it just from the first throw the ball snaps out of his hands and you're going to catch it or you're going to catch it in your teeth one of the yeah, two yeah it was Nolan Ryan stuff this week yeah you're, you're right man it was it it was John Elway yeah yeah he, he you know he's always had a good arm but he's so smooth he's so smooth and effortless it doesn't look like it's a howitzer every time mm-hmm. Ooh, it was this week wasn't it yeah I would suggest to Trevor that maybe his base throw should be ramped up a little bit yeah yeah right because when he goes hard like that he is unstoppable like I don't I, I don't know I don't pretend to know if he's taken some off in some games because of of coverages or anything like that but all the only facts that I know is there's two games I've seen the ball come out of his hand like that in both games he tore it up yeah yeah 364 yards and he had four completions that traveled at least 42 yards Made or it gained easy, at right? least 42 I mean, I mean yeah and it that was a thing and he was in control yep you know they were over 50 percent on third down it just it seems like He's you're seeing that savvy, you know, as he, you know, now gets into year three and he's played in a lot of big games and you knew the moment wouldn't be too big for him because he's Trevor Lawrence and he's been in big moments forever and always done well. But I mean, it, it really seems like superstardom is is now fully cloaked on him. I think the word you use is perfect savvy because especially that game, because you looked at one guy who was in some ways flashy, made some fun throws. He's he's new, so he's fun to watch. And then you got Trevor, who's the veteran in that situation, just taking care of business, making sure his team's in the right position, making sure that they make those three or four plays that they haven't made in the past when they need to make them. 
Um, I, I personally, I said this yesterday on Joe's show, I am very bullish on the Jaguars right now. I, I am so bull- I think they are the best team in the AFC because I don't think that they have played their best game. I don't think they have played a complete game. But they're making those plays that great teams make in the third and fourth quarter. And if all of a sudden you look up and Ridley's running the right route and the timing's a little bit better and you get healthy on defense, you get a good rotation, you get Campbell back, who's going to beat them in the AFC? I, 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 I would rather have this team than a team that's executing highly and barely sco- scooting by right now. Yeah, I'm really interested in watching Ezra Cleveland, who's going to be the left yes. guard for a while, because guard center guard and interior running plays still concern me. Now, I'm nitpicking, Denny. No. Because there's not I, much to I don't think like, you are. But that's the area that, that concerns me a little you bit. You can't be a good team if you're not good in short yardage. Right. You, that's that. You cannot be like you. You can't hide that. Yeah, they've got to fix that. Yeah, that's that's the only concern I have is third down and a yard and a half, third down and a yard. I'm not sure what they do. Third and three in the NFL, you pass. You, third and two and a half, you pass. But third and a yard, I don't know what they don't. You literally do. have no idea what they're going to do in third yard. They they may they pull something know. out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, they don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. It's and it's that's a problem. I think they're going to have all year. I mean, I just I to me it's a finesse group. And they're just not overly physical at, at any of those spots. So I think they're they're going to have to navigate around that. You know, getting back to Stroud, the other thing that that you know I admire about his game for being such a young player is everything is downfield. I mean, he I, we were talking about this the other day. I don't remember him taking a check down Sunday. Maybe he did, you know. But it seems like when he is is escaping, buying time. Everything is – I mean, it's not just like 15 yards downfield. Yeah. It is 40 yards downfield. Yeah. And, I mean, that's special quality. They're, they're very good at the scramble drill, very good as a team at that. Um, he likes to get out of the pocket a little bit. He, he liked that at Ohio State as well. I, I also think that can be a bad thing, though. I think that there's a, a comfort downfield for a lot of quarterbacks um, because your vision opens up. You can see further. You can see more of the field. Like when you start looking OTBs over the balls and things like that, like you got to be locked in visually, and there's a lot happening around you. So I think there is a skill to being able to throw on time in tight spaces that he'll, he'll no doubt master because of how accurate he is. But he's not scared with the ball, that's for sure. And he's got a ton of confidence in his guys. That's the thing that jumped out to me. He's got some young guys. He's putting the ball where he's confident they're going to bail him out at times. And I think that's a confidence that – I don't know, maybe because he's so young he has it, but if he can keep that his whole career, that's special right there. Danny, when you coach guys, because I'm real interested in this in all sports, not just, not just football, um, you, hear about, you hear about the slow heartbeat, right? All right? You're a golfer. You're a golfer. I'm a golfer. When you're screwing around and the round's gotten away from you, you're just out there swinging easy, you hit it better than when you grind. Mm-hmm. At least guys like us do. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe plus handicaps don't. These guys that sometimes don't, no matter what the situation is, nothing makes them nervous. Danny Werfel never was nervous. Yep. You know, Hayes, you matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter it, whether it was whether it was uh, the third quarter and you were up forty-eight to three on on Southern Louisiana, or whether it was the fourth quarter and it was twenty-four twenty-four against Alabama. It just for whatever reason, 
Maybe his faith, maybe his calmness. You know what I mean? No, I, it, it, you're it, getting, it, you're getting, and I could spend an hour on this. Yeah. So how do you make that happen with guys? Does that uh, question well, make sense? Yeah. No, it makes a ton of sense. I think there's a lot of ways. I think there's guys that are just born with that. Guys like Tom Brady that just yeah. absolutely born with that. Doesn't but matter. you said something a second ago that the last year or two I have really leaned on because our guys led us there. Yeah. And that is like, yeah, football's important, but it's not your identity. And and there is a there is a faith based um side to this as well that okay listen yeah we can't change anything but just be right here yeah and we're thankful for everything we got we're grateful for everything we got and we're gonna make a play and we're a dog but us tensing up is not gonna help us us yelling at ourselves after a bad throw relaxed muscles are explosive muscles when you tense up it is a fact that you cannot be mechanically as good and so however you got to get to that point to where nothing bothers you, and fans sometimes can say, well, he don't care. No, no, he cares. But you got to get to the point where nothing bothers you so you can stay correct mechanically. Gardner does an amazing job of this. I mean, the world can be folding really around does. Gardner. He really does. That's and a, he's he a just great example. Chills. Yep. And so I, when we started digging into guys like G and, and other guys like that that had that quality, the main thing was they're really well-rounded. Really well-rounded guys. In life. In life. Yeah. Yep. And so that's been, especially this year for me, especially with Carson and guys like that, is what is it that you really love? Anthony was, was charity work. Anthony was volunteer work. Like, what is it that you love? And let's, let's focus on that and while we're working on this. And it's been, a, it's been a big growth opportunity for me as well. I can tell you this with, with Gardner Minshew. I'm glad you brought him up. I can tell you this. If Gardner Minshew messes up, it's because he messed up. Yep. It's not because the moment was big. That's right. Cause, cause it, it, I mean, if, if Gardner Minshew gets picked off, he wasn't good enough to make the throw. Not he was, but he choked. He's mm-hmm. not, he, I, I, that's a great – that's really true about him. He, we, we have he, had conversations, like, where I have asked him, how, how are you doing this? How are you staying so calm? Like, how are you, and, and it's just – it's so unique to hear his answer, and he's – Gardner is so wise. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. And so when you find guys like that inside your system, you just want to pour that down as much as you can – and and Carson's got that trait in spades right now. Interesting stuff. Danny Thompson, great work talking quarter. Thanks, Appreciate buddy. it. Uh, one segment to go. We'll have it for you after this. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on The Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. I'll get to you in a minute, Carlin. Didn't he? Didn't you play this earlier? All right, <laughs> don't listen to him. You play these songs as you want, okay? All right, David, I'll, I'll handle your light work. I'll handle him if I got to handle him. Fall asleep over oh, here. my bodyguard. In case I need I'm, bodyguard right now, kinda, I'm chilling, Carlin. You just settle down over yeah. there. Why I chill? This is a very chill song for sure. I'm about to enter a coma. <laughs> what is? Um, let me ask you this. We, we touched on it, but we didn't, didn't really expound on it because we've been busy. What's the tour season going to feel like? What do, what do you think? I mean, I think the, the same. I think I, I might even be better because, I mean, I have to assume that anybody can play. I mean, yeah. if you've been in live, you should be able to play on the PGA Tour if they've right. merged. Right. Uh, and they've right. dropped all their litigation. So, I, I, so is there still going to be a live? I think, yes. I mean, it seems like they're going to still have live events, but I would assume that that means that you're, you know, Brooks Kepkas and DJs and 
Mickelson and you know all the guys that left are now welcome to play in PGA Tour events again. I mean, it's odd that there has been so little on it uh, because it, you really haven't seen anything significant in months over how this merger is going to go. I'm I'm really not even sure the merger is technically gone through. I know they've announced that they want to do it, and then there was some steps they had to clear, and I'm not sure they've cleared them. Uh, but I, I can't imagine at this point the PGA Tour would block people from participating because you you want to find a solution here. So I I think the sport from a talent standpoint is in fantastic shape. It has never been deeper. And you've got Tiger, who now looks like he's ready to compete. So that could make 2024 sensational if he is able to, you know, get through the Masters and the British and uh, and play in, you know, those handful events that, that are special to him. So, I mean, I think from a sports standpoint, you know, drama, you know, great play. I think it's going to be a phenomenal year. I hope so. And I, uh, and I, and I, cause I really like the tour. I'm a big fan of the tour in so many ways. And it was just felt clunky. But I think they, I think they got to an end where Tiger spoke today and he said, yeah, he was frustrated like all the other players were, that they weren't being informed and the communication wasn't what he wanted it to be. But that he still trusts where the tour is. He still trusts Jay Monahan, who's a very well liked guy. He still, yeah, I think it's a good place. I think it's in a good place too. It'll be interesting. It just it's weird, but I, I don't because for us around here, look, we're we're football first around here, um, and, and all, all all football in all forms. But after that, now I'm a baseball nut and I love Gator basketball. But I think after, for the most part. Golf's the thing, uh, this radio station and in our city, we talk about a lot. Sure. If you think about it, once you get beyond all things football, again, uh, golf's probably not second for me. But if you, in totality, it's, it's, it's on the list for just about everybody. Now, maybe that's because one of the most elite golf tournaments in the world is played in our city or near our city. But uh, it's interesting. The whole thing is. You know, it, it, now that you say that, I bet you if you took minutes that I spend watching a live sporting event yeah. and broke it down by sport – and you took football out of it. For you. For me. I wouldn't be surprised if golf is second. I'll bet it is. Because I don't watch it. Now, I will watch Gators basketball, right. and if they're as good as I think they're going to be this year, then I'll watch every game of that. Right. So, obviously, that's a lot of hours. Right. Uh, but, and I, I watch the NCAA tournament and things like that. But, uh, like, there, there are five golf events a year, the players and the four majors, where I literally will watch if my schedule allows yeah. for it. I'll watch Thursday if I as much as I can. I'll right. watch as much Friday as I can, and I will watch Saturday and Sunday. Right. And I mean, you're talking six hours of coverage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes more if it's the U.S. Open, British, because they'll start playing, you know, early and and they'll show everything. Yeah. yeah you, I think. I think. You so are, I may watch golf in terms of minutes watched. It may be second for me. I think for you it is because just on our radio show I can tell that. I uh, so let me give you an example. Tonight there's a really good college basketball. Number eight, Miami. Number 12, Kentucky. Yeah. Will you watch it? I probably won't um, because I'm at the – to this, like we were saying yesterday, like to me this time of year is I'm going to watch football. Yeah. I didn't watch much of last night's yeah. game, but normally I'm going to watch football Monday night. Yeah. I'll watch Monday night's game. I'll watch Thursday night's game. I, I'll watch football on Saturday. I'll watch, obviously, football on Sunday. So that's four of my seven nights – 
I'm already watching sports. a sporting yeah. event. And I don't like to watch sports every single night. Yeah, like yeah. that's just not the life I have with my wife. And I mean, yeah, I yeah. like to have other yeah. other things. So I don't know that I'll watch it tonight. But uh, you know, but if we're both doing our yeah. things, if if then Jean's watching something that she's really into that I'm not right all that curious about, then yeah, I might turn it on because can I'm always it's, interested yeah. in what Kentucky yeah. is. It's eight, it's number eight Miami, who uh, we know their team. They were a Final Four team last year. It's number 12, Kentucky, who's going to play the Gators twice. It's a really good game, a really good matchup. My guess is it's Dan Schulman and Jay Billis, who are both fantastic. I, I'm guessing that's who it is. That's usually who it is. Um, it's going to be just a wonderful early season matchup. But because it's November basketball, I'm a little mad at myself that I'm not more excited about watching it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not excited about I'm not I should be more excited about watching it cuz I love college basketball. But and I'll and I'll like you I'll probably take a peek at it. I mean, I'm going to go home and eat dinner and Suzanne and I'll watch something on TV and then I might I might I might turn it on and then, you know, and we'll resume whatever movie we're watching after. But I might not. I I've, I have no emotional connection like I would a Monday night football. Yeah. And and I and I and I do like basketball. I mean, I, I golf's not second for me. Mine's football, baseball, basketball, then golf. Mm-hmm. But I, but I, I'm not excited. But doesn't it feel like once we get to this point, it, it's like football becomes so all encompassing. Yeah, that, it is. That it's just, I for me, it's it's just hard to focus in on other things at this point. Yeah, and, and I and I, I mean, well, I'll watch the game. I'll watch Florida Wake Forest yeah, tomorrow night. Yeah. Now, if Kentucky was playing Tennessee in basketball on February fifth. Oh yeah, I'd watch it. I would probably watch, but well, more, more likely, watch but more yeah. likely than watch. More likely tonight. than tonight. Yeah. yeah. So, I, but it's really interesting. So, uh, how we? I tell people all the time, I want us to be a sports radio station. I really do, but I wonder if we're a football station that dabbles in other things. That's exactly what we are. And, I mean, and I, I think it's what we should be. Yeah, yeah. But, and I, and I, not just our station. Yeah. The TVs in town, the right. newspaper, the the media coverage. When I say us, I don't mean just us. I, I wonder if in Jacksonville, Florida, we're not a great sports city. We're a great football city. Yeah. And we love our golf. Right. But, uh, but I'm that's almost we are. never stopped and asked about something that isn't football related. Yeah, same here. Whether it's same, same here. Jaguars, Gators. Yeah. I mean, yeah, same here. I might, I might, someone might ask me who's going to win the players that week. Maybe. You know, people love to ask me about the Pirates just because they know that's yeah. me. But, but I'm like you. I'm like you. It's football related. So I, but, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to watch that game tonight. Just a little bit of it because and now now, Florida Wake Forest tomorrow night I will watch because that's my team. Right. Yeah. So so we watch our team. I find myself watching Florida State more than anybody other than Florida. Just I don't know why. I don't watch a lot of them. Just because, and I mean when they were really yeah. good I would. I just but. because I don't I can't explain only but I feel like I know their players' names. You know I just saw but I'll, I'll watch Florida State. If you took Florida off. The only team I would watch because it's them is probably Florida State. I wouldn't watch Kentucky because it's them. I mean, watch it because it's a good game. Back in the day, I used to watch Duke, North Carolina. I couldn't wait for that game. Were you that way back? Oh in the yeah, day? I used to watch. I used to watch Big East when I was oh, a kid. Oh, the Big East, the Big Monday, East and, Big East with St. John's and oh, Georgetown yeah. and UConn and Villanova yeah. and Providence. It was great. I used to be. At I, a, hate the, I hate that. I hate that we don't feel like that. When, when I was a kid and the bracket would come out, I yeah. could tell you something. About probably yeah. forty teams in it. Yeah. In terms of this is the guy that's going to have to play well, and I mean I really enjoyed college basketball, yeah. but it's just it seems as I've gotten older, I've gotten way more hyper focused on 
uh, NFL and college and, yeah. and the mechanics of those sports. Yeah, so so all that's changed a little bit. So like, so I'll take a peek at it, but I don't watch it much. The um, so that's kind of what I'll do. RJ, let's do some takeaways. Now, today's takeaways brought to you by Key Buick GMC, where our family dealership has been helping families buy vehicles for over 50 years. My takeaway is that Alabama-Georgia game on Saturday is going to be fantastic. I uh, Alabama coming off the miraculous Iron Bowl victory. Georgia, who has just been so steady and getting better and better each week. It is going to be fascinating to see what happens in Atlanta. Can Alabama finally snap Georgia's streak? And if they do, what becomes of Georgia in the playoff? Will they make it? And if Georgia can beat Alabama, my goodness, they are going to be so much closer to a third straight national title. I cannot wait to watch Alabama-Georgia on Saturday. All right, let's say hello to Mia. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, listen to me, Highway 9. I got a question for you. Yeah. You, you like numbers? You like analytics? My dad's metrics? an accountant, I, and my sister works on Wall Street. Like I usually leave it to them, but continue. Okay. All right. Um, I need to know, best guess, because I've asked myself this question. It's an important question. I don't care about Hayes. Hayes doesn't ask important questions. I do. No. Um, total calories you think you took in Oof. in that Houston press box on Sunday <laughs> Oh, morning. my God. I thought you were just going to say no, this weekend. No, no, no. no, no. I thought you were going to say no, when our good buddy David Wolf and I hit up yeah. um, the food trucks yeah, in yeah. Midtown. Yeah, yeah. I didn't eat dinner because I just had – I'll show you guys the picture afterwards. Okay. It's not good radio, but I thought you meant that. No, no that press Sunday box. Sunday morning. What time did you get there? So here's the thing, and I do want to shout out our good friend Heidi Green, a.k.a. Hacker's wife, who's yeah. our travel agent, yeah. because – Best residence in I've ever stayed at. Okay. I said it to Hayes on the kickoff show. Okay. Like, we're talking, like, because I brought it back up to the room so I could get ready. So I went down, got breakfast. The guy gets me lids for everything. He got me a tray. They wanted to help me carry it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like a four-star meal. This is amazing. And then I got to NRG Stadium's press box. and 2, I went. 2,000? Why did no one tell me how amazing it is? And, yes, about 2,000. I think I probably were. 2500 Well, the problem was was that I saw that candy station, and then I'm, I saw the ice cream machine, which was fantastic, and Jag's PR is exploring getting one of them. Because, did you see the donuts? Yeah, of course the I saw donut, the voodoo. The donuts are- The voodoo. The donuts are as big as my truck. Well, so many they people got big. mad at me that I didn't have one, and I'm like, if I hadn't had a push-down waffle and eggs and bacon before <laughs> I got to the stadium, and then I was had, upset I forgot the popcorn to well, go, Well, they had the too. chicken and waffles at the stadium. Correct. If I had known, I would have just- And the little pecan pies. Oh, the- By the pecan way, the, 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 the pecan pies. The little pecan pies. True story, I think I had ten. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I think I had ten of the little pecan. I'm not yeah. making that, and you weren't even there, and you know. Oh and yeah, so I had ten. Of the I had no idea that it is, and have I you, talked you, about this with Hamza, who's one of the Jags director of. Have ops. you been to Houston before? No, oh, I hadn't. So I'd only trip. been for layovers, and during right, the hey, Dallas trip, right. there was have a you, snafu. Have you so. done games at? Have you done games at the Bucks? The Tampa Bucks. Yeah. I've been to college games okay, there with Iowa because the Bucks have we they they literally have no peers. But I think Houston might have caught them. Really? In terms yeah. of road food, I think Houston might have caught them. But the Bucks are up there. Oh, the Bucks, oh, the Bucks are, are great. The, the Bucks have really. The Bucks oh, we only the, get to go there once every. Well, eight so years. the good news is that I talked with multiple members of the Jags PR and ops staff, and I apologize to the fans. Um, but I, I did speak with you know a couple of the ops yeah. people about fan food as well, because as much as I wasn't on the concourse at NR, at, at NRG, it just felt like I mean for a stadium that's twenty years old. 
it competes with all these new brand, high-end brand yeah. stadiums that we've seen across the, the national the, football. The food is, did you do an Iowa Outback Bowl? Yeah. Well, that's the same food. Oh, okay. So you, you yeah. see, so it's, mm-hmm. I believe I've done, I've done ten Outback. Yeah. Bowls. Okay. So, so it's, it's yeah. the same thing. So yes. It's, so it's I, I love a, I love a little uh, pretty amazing blooming stuff. onion, baby. There you go. Blooming onion forever. It's coming up tonight. Ooh, well, just Lauren and I is uh, Taylor yeah. Dahl still nursing uh, the sinus infection, yep. cold. Um, but, hey, listen, we're ready. We're ready to rumble. We will recap a Jags victory. We will look ahead to hopefully another Jags victory next Monday night. Going to be wacky next week mm-hmm. on Helmets and Heels because uh, it'll be the day after That's a Jags right. win That's as opposed right. to two days after. We'll also, of course, take a look at this week's Mo Bryan Top 25. Yes, folks, still an AP voter in the men's basketball okay. ranks. Then and, of course, do- then how did FSU get votes and Florida didn't? And FSU, Florida beat them at 25. That's a great question. I didn't give either team votes. Um, although, hey, I'm going to give Florida credit because they hung with a Baylor team that I think is really a top 10 team. But right now, coming out of the Maui Invitational, we're just so fixated with the fact that that field was set two years ago and it had five teams that were in the top 10 coming into the yeah. week. And so I think we're also like in love with the Maui bump and the Yukons of the world with 23 straight non-conference wins, that that's why we're not talking about a Baylor, which in turn elevates that win for Florida, and of course the Florida State vote elevated by the win over Colorado. Have fun tonight. Thank you. That will be Mia and Lauren. She's got helmets and heels that comes up right now. We're out of here for Hayes Carline, for Lauren, for RJ. I'm Frank Frangie. So long.